Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the Planet Earth, the John Campy Show, brought to you in part by Mint Mobile, coming to you from right here on our YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Goldfett, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and, of course, joining me, as always, sitting over here, Bob Catan, ladies and gentlemen. Bob, how you doing? Well, John Go, it is a great honor to be speaking with you here today. I feel that it's time that the Mandalorians come out to the public, and what better way than on YouTube? And of course, it's game day! Game day! Game day. Andor is coming out today, so we are commemorating it by never taking our helmets off again. And also joining us, of course, joining you guys in live chat, Darth Ray. What's on your head? Darth Whatever Maggot. I found. Whatever I found in my drawer, I just put on. Is that a 24-piece I had no idea you guys helmet? were coming in as a... Coming uh, in hot. And, of course, joining us, running the show today, producer Matt Reeves. You can really see where the narrative really went downhill with this bit. <laughs> we only had so many movie-quality replicas around the studio today. Anyway, guys, it is great to have you guys here joining us today. Wait, wait, and wait, 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 John. Let's guess whose is the most expensive. I'm thinking mine. <laughs> well, it I'm depends mine, on what baby. did you buy in that bag. Yeah, it depends. What did you? It's Lulu Lemon. I mean, you could have bought something that real is pretty expensive in that bag. Anyway, guys, <laughs> sorry. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. I can't do it anymore. Oh, I'm getting really hot in that thing. But it is still Andor Day, so I'm still going to wear my Star Wars hat. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined <gasps> topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Two ways to get your comments and questions on the show. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of our main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats for you guys to fire in your thoughts, opinions, comments, and questions. We will address those in the second half of the show. Also... I want to remind you guys that a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have our open mic show. So we hope that you guys will come back and join me and Rob for open mic. Once again, that is at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time today. And a little bit of housekeeping. If you guys need your daily fix of the John Campia show, but you can't be around a YouTube video, good news. There is an audio-only version of the show simply called the John Campia show podcast. Just go on your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for it, sign up for it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, guys, with all that down, let's get into a couple of off the tops here, shall we? And our first off the top here today is this. You know, uh, remakes are all the rage, Rob. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, you know, I've heard something about it. Remakes for everything. And uh, we're gonna talk about a remake a little bit later in the show too, but there's been a horror remake on its way out for Hellraiser. Now they dropped the first little like five second tease for yeah. it, like last week, Not, nothing big, nothing major. Of course, coming to Hulu, I believe. But today they dropped the first real trailer. Now, I am not a big fan of the original Hellraiser. What? To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like the first one well enough. I don't think it's great. It's not in my top 15 favorite horror films of all time or anything like that. But I think the first Hellraiser's all right. The rest of them, no good. No good. I, I didn't like any of the rest of them, but whatever, that's just me. So I haven't I, I'd be lying if I told you I was excited for the new Hellraiser. But this new trailer came out today. And listen, the job of a trailer is to take your excitement level, even if it's low, and bump it up a bit. 
I am now officially interested in this Hellraiser thing. From the moment when the guy says in the trailer, if I solve the puzzle to win a prize, and the other guy goes, I do, or I will, whatever the line is, it's great. I thought it felt creepy. It feels like an 80s-style supernatural <laughs> horror to me. And so I got to say, as somebody who was not interested in this movie, really didn't have a lot of excitement for it, I'm like, okay, damn, I want to watch this thing now. Now, you appreciate the Hellraiser movies more than I do. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts were about the new trailer. Well, you know, I went with our friend, the lovely Connie Sang, on Sunday. Last the, the 18th of September was actually the 35th anniversary of the release of the original Hellraiser. And in association with Beyond Fest, which is a great genre film festival in, in L.A. that's kicking off, they showed prints, film prints, of both Hellraiser 1 and oh, Hellbound. Oh, I thought you meant like Purple Rain prints. I guess no. hey, they showed prints. No, they showed actual film prints that were in great shape. As a matter of fact, the the Hellraiser uh, print that we saw was actually a British print. And then uh, uh, writer Pete Atkins, who wrote Hellbound, uh, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, and um, Hellraiser 4 Bloodline, he spoke at the event. So m the, the, the memory of the Hellraiser franchise is fresh in my mind. And watching this just now with Taylor, I got to say, John, like you, the Hellraiser franchise has not been treated very well. <laughs> and I even had a, have a friend who directed one of the, the sequels, but they were never given enough money. And as Pete Atkins told us, which I didn't know, most like Hellraiser 5 through 10 were, or 5 through 8 were all based on previously existing scripts that had nothing to do with the Hellraiser oh, franchise wow. that they just turned into Hellraiser movies. And you can kind of tell. But I have to say, this trailer, dude, I'm stoked. You know, David Goyer, who wrote The Dark Knight, um, is one of the he he came up with the story for this. I don't think he wrote the screenplay, but I thought this looked fantastic. It, it looks bigger budgeted than even the first Hellraiser. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, the production values are great. It looks really interesting. Uh, I watched this trailer and it really excited me. They even had Leviathan in the sky from from Hellbound, so it looks like they're really being faithful to the lore. And I, you, you know. A female Cenobite is not new to the franchise, as you pointed out. Right, there's right from the there's a female, yeah, and she was hot. So, <laughs> like the original, I mean, I, I love the look of the new pinhead. Well, the Cenobites oh, as a whole, they all looked really good to me. I oh, yeah, the they look really fantastic. And, you know, what I really love about this franchise is it was born out of a novella called The Hellbound Heart that Clive Barker wrote. And Clive Barker really spearheaded... During the 80s, the splatterpunk movement, his books of blood were, were the six books of blood were revelatory. And it, it really looks like it's still steeped in that British horror. And, dude, I'm stoked. I mean, even more than Prey, when I heard Prey was really good, I, just because I love Hellraiser, I love Clive Barker, and seeing this trailer, I mean, what is Hulu? Is Hulu just going to, like, add to horror franchises? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if this movie's as good as Prey, they should just... They should give them all the horror franchises. I mean, I, I'd rather see these movies in theaters, but if they're as good as they look, why not give them Alien? Why not give them all the moribund franchises that we all kind of go, eh, you know. But this looks really, really good. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about the new Hellraiser trailer? We actually really quite like it, and I didn't know that we would. You saw it. What did you think? Jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into another off the top, shall we? And that is this. Sticking on the theme of upcoming Hulu projects, there's another Hulu project coming out, uh, a series this time, called that I just vaguely remember hearing about a long time ago, but we haven't talked about in ages. 
It's called Welcome to Chippendales. And it's starring one of my favorite guys in the business right now, Kumail Nagiani, um, who of course I just fell in love with with the big sick in that. And then I love him in Eternals. I I oh, love yeah. him as Kingo in the Eternals. I love him in that. Well, now this series is loosely based on the true story of Kamel Nagiani's character, the guy who started Chippendales. And I had no idea there was like murder and <laughs> intrigue and drama behind. I had no idea. This comes from some folks in IndieWire who write, there is no magic at Chippendales. Instead, it's just jealousy, murder, and unsolved mysteries at the heart of the shockingly sinister true crime story behind iconic male exotic dance tro troupe Chippendales. Kumail Nagiani transforms into Chippendales founder Solman Steve Benjerji for, Hulu, for the Hulu series Welcome to Chippendales, uh, streaming on November 22nd. So... This thing is coming, and it says, per the official synopsis, the sprawling true crime saga, Welcome to Chippendales, tells the outrageous true story of Soman, uh, an Indian immigrant who became the unlikely founder of the world's greatest male stripping empire and let nothing stand in his way in the process. I had totally forgotten about this project. This is a short trailer. It's, I, I think it's just a little over a minute. Yeah. But I am. It's, it's got all the best elements of like a Wolf of Wall Street the trappings of wealth and power and all that kind of stuff yeah. while being willing to sell your soul to do it. And I have never seen Kumail as the bad guy. I've never seen him as a bad guy. So there are several levels of this to me. Listen, I really liked, I really, really liked the Hellraiser trailer. I think I'm more excited about what? this. <laughs> this looks insanely good. I'm excited about Rob. You saw the trailer. Welcome to Chippendales. What do you think about Dude, it? Dude, between Magic Mike 3... And Chippendales, <laughs> I never thought I'd be so enthusiastic about male strippers, but here we are. Um, I, I thought this looked great. I love stories like this, you know, and I have to say, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, are these all projects that were 20th Century Studios movies that they're just moving over to Hulu? Like, because some of the, the, the writing staff and the, 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 the people behind these movies are pretty, they're heavy hitters. And Kamel Nagiani, I mean, he's, you know what, between, between, what the the movie he made about his wife and his relationship the big the, sick the which big I sick loved great film eternals i mean here's somebody who seems to be really managing his career well you know really a wide variety of roles and I, he can be a superhero he can start a male strip club empire or you know he can be an indie darling and i i, I love this because like you said he, i really like him as a performer this movie looks like it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's a series, yeah, it's a series. Oh, it's a, oh, it is a series. Yeah. I thought, okay, it's a series. Even better. Uh, I just think it looks it looks great. I mean, there's so between this and the trailer for Dahmer, that's Ryan Murphy's new series about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. I'm like, wow. There's a lot of things I'm looking forward to. There's a lot of good stuff coming, and I'll tell you the uh, the added aspect to this that it's all based it's based on true events. Now, when it says based on true events, I'm sure they're going to take creative liberties. Sure. Of course they are. I, I expect that, but I mean the fact that it is based on real events just heightens my anticipation for this a lot. So I love what I'm seeing. Anyway, guys, questions for you. Did you have a chance to see the trailer for Welcome to Chippendales with Kumail Nagiani? If so, what did you think? Maybe it just com completely flew over. You, you didn't really think it was all that special, whatever. Maybe you're like me and just thought it looked crazy good. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into the newest segment here on the John Campia Show, our Mint Mobile 
hotline question of the day brought to you, of course, by our friends at Mint Mobile. If you'd like to hear your voice question on our show, maybe you can get it there by calling our hotline 951-268-4259. Call on in your question, leave it in there, and then maybe you'll hear your question in a hotline. For now, what is our hotline question of the day? Hey, John and crew, this is Anthony from Michigan. So we're a little more than halfway through September, and I know we're getting into Oscar darling season, but I just was curious what you guys thought. If the Oscars were tomorrow, what do you think the chances of the Batman getting in there for best picture would be? Thanks, and have a good one. All right, thanks a lot for uh, sending that in, Anthony. You know, I'd like to take this one quickly Uh if I could, John. Sure, Uh, uh, Jonathan. Excellent question, first off. Matt. <laughs> Excellent question. Matt. Um, the quick answer, listen, the quick answer is yes. I mean, it's a wonderful film. And honestly, I've been personally hearing chatter. I mean, um, I've not personally like to me, but I mean, around town, I've heard chatter that this is a front runner. So I think I think we're in good stand. I think they're in good standing. <laughs> I, th- I, I think uh, you they might be right. I think they might be right. Uh, listen, this really breaks down into two separate questions. Yes. If the Oscars were announced tomorrow. And then, screw if they were tomorrow, the upcoming Oscars at all. For me, right now, The Batman still sits as my second favorite movie of the year. My, my, my top three rank as Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Batman, The Northman. Though That's my personal top three right now. Well, what about my film, No Way Home? <laughs> that was last year. Is that how you feel every day or what? That was last year. Oh, I was just trying to play Ned. So. Oh, I get, I get oh, it. Never mind. I get it. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I get, get it because you're Filipino. I'm just He's regretting Ned. everything. <laughs> Even um, the bag on its head. Let's cut it out. Let's cut that part out. Of cut that part out. Wow, out. These bits are spiraling out of control. <laughs> so okay. let's talk about if it, if the Oscars were tomorrow. Okay, my personal feelings aside for it, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think if the Oscars were held tomorrow and they were to take the 10 you know films and that are going to get nominated nominated for Best Film of the Year... I really don't see, let's put it this way, I would be shocked if the Batman wasn't on there. The way it was critically received, the audience received it, the box office was super strong. I mean, you had mind-blowing performances in it by Paul Dano, uh, Robert Pattinson did a great job. I mean, Jeffrey Wright is always fantastic in whatever he's in. I, I really do think it would. Yeah, I actually, you know what? I would put money on it, that if the Oscars were tomorrow, the Batman would get nominated. Now, Let's talk about its actual overall chances. Its overall chances are going to be determined by a numbers game. Because like we said, there are 10 spots and only 10 spots. There are a number of films that have come out already that probably the Academy would put ahead of the Batman. And then we've got a number coming that certainly look like they're going to be put ahead of the Batman. Uh, The Steven Spielberg film Meet the Fablements just won the Toronto International Film Festival top prize. That is usually a nice indicator about what could end up winning at the Oscars. So there's that. You've got Babylon uh, from Damien Chazelle that is coming. That guy just all he does is crank out excellence. Amsterdam. Then, of course, on top of that, we got the uh, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Amsterdam. David O. Russell also. Uh, David O. Russell, John David Washington. I mean, the cast in that is huge. Actually, two of those are Margot Robbie. Um, so this is going to kind of be her year. So, and there's, and there's more. So you start to get this list. So it, for the Batman, it's this, there are years that I would say the Batman would get a nomination. Will it be this year? 
again, it's going to turn out to be a numbers game. How many of these big, high-profile, award-looking films that are coming out are going to be it? Like, for instance, a lot of people thought at some point Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe film, might be one of those Oscar contenders. The reviews are coming out now. It's sitting at about 57%. So so clearly that can, can be taken off the list. James Gray's Armageddon Time. Right, was getting some good notices. That's getting some some good buzz as well. So then, so you got these films that we got to keep an eye on that are being considered Oscar darlings. Then you got to take in consideration there are going to be some dark horses that people didn't think about that are going to jump up into the discussion. Barbarian, so, barbarian. I mean, don't laugh. I'm hearing a lot of great things about. Barbarian. I know. So that's going to become a Woman King is getting huge responses. So I mean, it, again, at the end of the day, like the Batman has no chance of winning the Academy Award for Best Picture, but getting a nomination is going to become a numbers game. Rob, for you, the two sides of that question. If the Oscars were tomorrow, does the Batman get a nomination? Then in the Oscars in general, do you think it has a chance? I, I think 100% the Batman gets a nomination because, you know, to me... Overall or tomorrow? I think overall. Really? I mean, I, I mean, having not seen, obviously, for t if, there's 10, if there's 10 movies, I think it could definitely sneak in there because it does have... That Oscar feel and that it's it's a universal film. It has a lot going on. It's not simply a superhero movie. There's a lot more going on in the film. And I think, look, if Black Panther can get a nomination, the Batman is a very handsome film about urban decay. and It's about all kinds of different things. So I think it absolutely could. And and of course, technically, it's it's unbelievably proficient. I mean, it's a it's going to get all kinds of technical awards. Well, absolutely, it's going to get lots of technical but awards. But I think sound I mean, design, especially sounds. I could see it getting a best director award. You know, best picture. Why not? I I don't I don't know if there's going to be ten best pictures that are are worthy of of competing. Although it is filling up quickly, but I think it could. I think there's a potential for it. I mean, our viewer asked about it if it was tomorrow. Yeah, and, and a lot of these tomorrow, movies aren't. I definitely think it would. Yeah, they haven't come out yet. <laughs> so so all the movies that we listed. Are, are more, you know, October through December films, so they're not eligible yet. So if tomorrow, I think I think the Northmen, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and the Batman would be our contenders. I tell and what, Barbarian, just for fun. Tomorrow? Prey gets a nomination. I'll wow, you, Prey, okay. I, I, if, if the Oscars were tomorrow, I think Prey gets a nomination for Best Picture. Wow. It's not going to get a Best Picture nomination at the actual What about Maverick? Oscars. Would that get in for Best Picture? If the Oscars were tomorrow? Yeah. 100%. 70% that it does anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, really, because this, it's a movie that the, the critics adore. Um, uh, you know, the thing about Maverick, the whole premise of Maverick, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and he put it beautifully. The premise of Maverick, the whole movie Maverick is a big allegory for the movie industry. Hmm. That in that scene where Tom Cruise is standing in the room with the drone ranger, uh, who's playing the general Ed Harris Ed, when in the room with Ed Harris. And Ed Harris is saying to him, drone you know, you're, you're a bygone era. You're, you know, this uh, time is changing. He represents streaming. Tom Cruise represents the movie going experience. I love this. And Tom, when, Tom Cruise is actually making a movie about the movie experience. And when he says to Ed Harris, he says, maybe, maybe that time's coming, but it ain't today. And that's Tom Cruise huh. saying that the movie experience is still here and it's still powerful. And it's like, that is going to resonate with Oscar voters. Well, you know, what, you know what, John, even more, what you just said is, I think it's really true. You could even take it further. Like when television first threatened the movie industry in the 50s, they went to wide gauge. They went to things like VistaVision and widescreen to provide an image because movies were square pretty much as four by three, the Academy aspect ratio, and they got bigger. 
Well, the actual filming, putting those cameras inside the cockpits of planes, they gave you something. They gave you a cinematic experience you could only get at the movies. So in addition to metaphorically the story, the actual presentation said to moviegoers, you can't get this on TV. Yeah, and they reenacted Star Wars. You reenacted Star Wars. So, I mean, you got to get a nomination. So I, I, I think so, yes. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Talking about the Batman, which, I mean, it feels like forever ago that it came out. I know. But I love that movie. Still my personal second favorite movie of the year. What do you think? If the Oscars were tomorrow, does the Batman get one of those nominations for Best Picture? But maybe more importantly, when Oscars do come around, do you think it's going to get one of those nominations? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. You know what they say about Batman? He wears comfortable underwear, my friends. Thanks to our friends and sponsor of today's show, our friends at MeUndies. We want to take a second and thank a sponsor of this video, Me Undies. Luckily, we here at the John Cambia Show work with Me Undies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. Like many of you guys, I have spent my entire life wearing completely useless and uncomfortable underwear. And it wasn't until the good folks at Me Undies sent me my first couple of pairs that I realized I have not been living my life to the fullest. Now I wear Me Undies every single day, and it makes my whole day a hell of a lot more comfortable. Guaranteed to be the softest stuff you've ever felt in your life. Their signature micro-modal fabric is sustainable, breathable, and stretchy as heck. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL, they have new colors and prints dropping weekly, so there's always something exciting to check out. Try their free-to-join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks, like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales, and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for the John Campia Show audience. For any first-time purchase, Purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. So to get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. That's MeUndies.com slash Campia. And thank you to our friends at MeUndies for making me feel so comfortable today and for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the show? Well, that's easy. You guys come up with them. Whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's 100% free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Rob. What is our first main topic today? John, our first main topic comes to us from Chris. (laughs) In an interview with The Wrap, Kevin Smith claims that Harvey Weinstein is holding Dogma, his 1999's religious satire, and some might argue his best film, Hostage. Dogma is not available for streaming anywhere, and the DVD and Blu-ray have been out of print for years, and Weinstein is trying to sell off the rights for a price of $5 million, which Smith admitted was overvaluing. What does the Campia crew make of this? Is there a way for Kevin Smith to get back the rights since it is his film without giving a cent to Weinstein? And do you think Harvey Weinstein should even be allowed to profit from the sale of the rights to Dogma at this point? All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Chris. And yeah, what a sucky situation. dude! It's a horrible situation. So what some people believe is Kevin Smith's best film, Dogma. I personally think it's Chasing Amy or Clerks 2, but, but I love Dogma. Of course, all the rights are held by Weinstein. He's got the rights. And so nobody can do anything with the movie, but he is more than willing to sell the rights to it so people can 
put it on streaming, put it on DVD, do what do whatever they want with it. But the price tag is five million dollars. Now Kevin Smith talked about in his thing. Now, of course, everybody assumes that if you're famous, that automatically means you're ridiculously wealthy. But Kevin Smith says, guess what? I don't have five million dollars. Right. So I can't just go and buy the rights to my own to my own movie. I I can't do it. So, you know, Kevin Smith also said in his interview that you know maybe the, maybe we need to fundraise whatever try to build build up some money and buy the rights back crowdfund yeah maybe crowdfund to try to get the rights back to dogma that might be an option it brings up a couple of interesting unfortunate realities because here's the thing the two separate questions is there anything kevin smith aside from paying five million dollars can do to get the rights back to this movie the answer to that is no think of the rights to this movie like this delicious bottle of aviation gin. Um, it's, it's a thing. Somebody can own it. And if I own it and I have the rights to it, it it's mine. There's nothing Rob can do to, to make me give it back to give it to him. Uh, unless I say, yeah, hey, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. And if he comes with 20 bucks, I'll give it to him. It belongs to Harvey Weinstein. That's it. It's, it's his. Now we can moan and complain and say, but that's not fair. You know, Kevin Smith is the creator of it. Yeah, but Kevin Smith didn't pay for it. And whoever paid for it owns it. Um, and that's just a part of the unfortunate reality of the whole thing. As far as the, the, the other question, the more philosophical question, should Weinstein be allowed to profit from owning it? Well, here's the thing. There is tenants in law that says you cannot profit from a crime, right? Like if I stole, I, I'm trying to think of a great example. Is I, I, Let's say Rob made a gold-making machine and I stole it. Well, I don't get to profit from that machine. If I got convicted, I don't get to profit. From, but when you get convicted of a crime, the government doesn't just get to come and take everything you own. It's not like you forfeit everything you own. And if this bottle of gin, if I get arrested for some kind of bad driving and I go to jail for two years for it, you don't get to just take away my bottle of gin. That might it's, have been the reason you. That may be the, the reason I got in driving trouble in the first place. Yeah, I didn't even put that together. That was a poorly thought out analogy. So, yes, you don't get to suddenly take away my bottle of gin, of course, unless it was in the car with me when I was doing that driving. <laughs> um, it's, it's still mine. It still belongs to me. And so I, I can still sell it, keep it, give it away. I can do whatever I want with it. So it's just a sucky situation. It's an unfortunate thing. Because Rob, what do you what we say? It's not about what you deserve. That's what you negotiate. And uh, Harvey Weinstein knows it. Rob, this this situation sucks, but it's it seems like it's just it is what it is kind of situation. So I don't know. How would you respond to that? I I would say I'm very familiar with the situation. <laughs> having you know, having made a film that that I don't own. You know, I directed, co-wrote, edited a movie that that is the person who paid for it owns it, you know, and and that's I mean, you know, like Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin made Stargate. But when they made a deal with MGM, they their ownership rights were no longer they didn't own the movie. That's why they had nothing to do with the Stargate TV shows. Tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars were made by those TV shows. And Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, who created Stargate, didn't get it done. And that's just Hollywood, man. And, and I mean, it's a bummer, but if somebody's paying for your movie, there's really nothing you can do. You can't 
unless you again negotiate some kind of a reversionary clause like it, it, he kevin smith could have put in his contract i don't think weinstein would have given it to him but after a certain amount of time the rights to the negative might revert to you in which case you own the movie there are some filmmakers that have done that like after 25 years then the rights to the film revert to the filmmakers now that happens if it's independently financed things like that but in the case of this it's unfortunate i mean Kevin Smith got to make this movie because of Harvey Weinstein and Miramax. I mean, that Harvey Weinstein was now convicted of crimes um, is immaterial to when the movie was originally made. And so there's really, like you said, there's nothing he can do. Yeah, and, and Kevin Smith seems to understand that. And I hope he's able to find a way to, to get that money together and get the rights to that movie And can back. you imagine, if let's say Kevin Smith did crowdfund it, and let's say he did make $5 million. What's to stop Harvey Weinstein going, well, I want 10. Yep. Well, I mean, the only thing that can stop that is if, if Kevin Smith wrote to Harvey Weinstein, which I'm going to assume he can get correspondence, and said, I will enter into an agreement with you that I will give you $5 million if you give me the rights. It, once Harvey Weinstein agrees to that, it's legally binding. That if, There has to be three things. Yeah. There has to be offer, acceptance, and capacity. And all three of those things would be there. You don't have to have an official looking contract. All you got to say is, hey, if I give you $5 million, will you give me that thing? As soon as he says yes, it's legally binding. So he can he can make it happen. It would be awesome if he could find a way to get these rights back. I, look, I agree. I mean, I think it would be it would be great. And, and maybe he should do that. You know, maybe Harvey Weinstein, it is a movie about religion. Maybe if he wants to do some kind of penance, he'll just give Kevin his movie. <laughs> That's not going to happen, but... Nope. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Can you think of a way that maybe Kevin Smith can get the rights to Dogma about it? It does suck that it's just sitting out there in limbo because this one a-hole is sitting in a prison somewhere and he's got the rights to them. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Rob. What is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes from Darth Flager. Hello, crew. Hey, crew. Game day. Game day. John, do you know or care to speculate if Andor episodes will drop early before 12 p.m. PST, like they did with Obi-Wan? Given that there are three episodes, do you think it would be a good move? It would be nice if Disney gave specifics on the time slot, like Hot D did so the whole world could prepare and plan ahead. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Darth. And yes, tonight, for, for us in on the West Coast of Los Angeles time, tonight, Andor makes its official premiere with not one, not two, but three episodes coming to you hot. Now, Lord of the Rings Return of the King recently launched with two episodes. So they made a special accommodation. They said, you know what? Instead of de debuting it at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is going to be our normal debut time for new episodes, we're going to launch this one a bit early because there's two episodes to watch. So we're going to launch it at 6 p.m. And then the second episode you can watch at 9 p.m. Obi-Wan did something similar. They launched with two episodes. So they actually moved up the release time for the first one just because it was a double header. Maybe they would do that the same for Andor. They're not. They're not. This comes to us from the folks over at GamesRadar who wrote the following. The first three episodes of Andor are being released at the same time on September 21st on Disney+. Plus. They will premiere at midnight Pacific Standard Time, also known as 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's a slightly more bearable 8 a.m. BST for those who want to watch immediately in the U.K. So it is going to drop at midnight as normal. Now, you may ask yourself a very fair question. Well, why did they 
launch it a bit early with Obi-Wan when they were launching with two episodes, but not with Andor when they're launching with three? Well, the answer to that is simple. They were trying to fuck with Stranger Things. <laughs> they, were, they were trying to mess with Stranger Things. And that's really it. That's all there is to it. They, there's nothing there for them to mess with or to compete against right now on this particular day and time slot. So they're just releasing it at midnight. Listen, would it have been nice if Disney Plus was dropping these ones earlier than normal? Yes, it would have been. I think that would have been a very smart move on their part. I think it would have been a very courteous move for their fans on their part. But at the end of the day, is it super important that they do that? I mean, you can't really argue that it's majorly important. Look, if you want to stay up and watch, look, all three episodes combined are about an hour and 40 minutes. Just, just so you know, the, the combined, the first three episodes are around an hour and 40 minutes. So if you want to stay up and watch that, it's it's not like you got to, if it was a three hour, if it was one hour episodes and there were three episodes and you got to stay up for three hours, it's about half that length. So you might still be good to go. But again, I, I do think it would have been nice if they had moved it up like they did, like Rings of Power did, like Obi-Wan did. I think it would have been a really nice, classy move on their part. They decided not to. And honestly, it's not the end of the world. Anyway, Rob, uh, going into it, did you think there was a chance they would move up the time? And, and would it have been a good move for them to do so? I, I, John, I kind of hoped only because to be selfish, I staying up till three in the morning. Obviously, I mean, I could get up tomorrow earlier and watch the other half or whatever, because we're going to talk about it tomorrow on the show and and do an after show. But, you know, Obi-Wan was an outlier. And like you pointed out, they did it to mess with Stranger Things. So it'd be nice. You know, it'd be nice. But obviously, they're not going to do that. That's just not their pattern. They've never, uh, Obi-Wan was the only show. I mean, they've dropped Mandalorian. They dropped Boba Fett. They drop everything. They dropped the Marvel shows at midnight. Why would they make an accommodation for Andor? I mean, you might think, well, it's three hours, guys. Come on. They don't care. It's 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 eight o'clock in the morning somewhere. That's like Games <laughs> Radar pointed out. I mean, it, it's only on, on the Pacific Coast. It's rough on the East Coast. It's rough. But Disney Plus is going out all over the world. So they're going to get plenty of views. And I, I would imagine that Andor, based on the early word of mouth, um, maybe not because it doesn't have the marquee character that Obi-Wan Kenobi is, but they're going to rack up some views tomorrow, John. They are. They are. Because like if you were to ask me and nobody is, but if you were to ask me, is it worth staying up tonight or getting up super early, depending on if you're Chris Carr, uh, to watch Andor when they drop the first three episodes? Yes. <laughs> this show is exceptional. It's really good. Dick moved not to release it early, but it is an exceptional show. This is really, really good. Uh, I mean, especially if you're somebody like me, who you're a major Star Wars fan and you're coming off disappointments in Book of Boba Fett. Gen I didn't hate it, but generally disappointed with Obi-Wan. To watch Andor, it's, it revitalizes your soul if you're a Star Wars fan. I mean, that, that's the best way I can put it. Uh, anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Do you think, hey, you know what? No big deal. It, it, the normal release time is going to be midnight Pacific Standard Time anyway. Just release it at the normal time. Maybe you're thinking, damn, it sure would have been nice if you released it a little bit early. Do you think it's even important one way or the other? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three.
Sticking on the Andor stuff here, Rob, what is our third main topic today? The third main topic comes to us from Valerie Samaras. Good morning, John. With all the amazing hype building up around Andor and me and my husband planning to stay up to watch the premiere tonight, I heard some really bad news. According to the rap, we're going to have to wait two years for the next season. TV shows used to put out 22 plus episodes every year. So why can't a show that is only 12 episodes be ready in a year? Thanks. And may the filthy be with you. All right, Valerie, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, there was a great disturbance in the forest, like millions of voices and hearts suddenly sunk and then were silenced. As great as Andor is, uh, and maybe this information was out there already, Rob, and maybe the information was out there. Maybe, hell, we even talked about it, and I just forgot. But I read this morning that we're not going to get season two of Andor for at least a couple of years. Maybe I wouldn't have cared if I hadn't already seen a bunch of Andor, but knowing how good Andor is... That really made me sad. Well, John, why are you saying it's not going to come up for another two years? This comes from the folks at The Wrap who wrote the following. Tony Gilroy said that his work on Andor is really sticking around considering they still have to produce and release Andor Season 2. I have two more years to go, Gilroy said. We start shooting in November on Part 2. And I don't know if our past pattern was two years, but I mean, I'll be on. We'll shoot from November to August. It's a long shoot. And then our post-production last time was about a year. That probably means at the earliest we can expect Andor Season 2, or Part 2 as Gilroy calls it, in fall of 2024. Rob, do you remember the olden times when a show would have a new season every year? Remember those days? The days before Atlanta having three-year breaks or, or whatever? Remember those days? Those were good days. Yeah, apparently... They're saying that, uh, first of all, it's close to a year of a shoot going from November to August for Andor season two, still just 12 episodes, and then about a year of post-production, which is not unheard of for, for big movies and stuff like that. Sure. And you could look at Andor as a big movie in many ways. Um, it sucks. This sucks. I mean, knowing that once we get to the end, and I haven't seen the end of Andor season one yet, but knowing we're going to get the end of Andor season one, we're probably going to be all buzzing and hyped. And then we're going to have to wait two years for the second season. Now, when you raise the question, it's a fair question. Hey, traditionally, television shows have been 22, 23, 24, 25 episodes every year. They make 25 episodes, Rob. And they were able to crank those out every year, no problem. Andor is a different beast. Andor is a Star Wars show. And it's a Star Wars show that's not being shot on the volume. It's not being shot in that big virtual stage environment. It's they're actually out there, practical sets and, and things like that. I mean, there's a, and there's a lot of CGI. Believe it, there's a lot of CGI. And thank God the CGI in Andor looks a hell of a lot better than it did in Book of Boba Fett or Obi-Wan. It's like much, much it's it's movie quality visual effects. And so when you keep that in mind that the nature of the project, it's it is vast, it's heavily involved. Um I I get it. I do, I get it, but I would, if they already knew they were greenlighting this thing, my question would be, why are they starting to shoot this in November? Why is season two not almost finished shooting at this point? So I, I do kind of wish they had planned this better, but it's a lot of production and you know what, from what I've seen of Andor so far, 
it is going to be worth the wait, even though it kind of sucks we're going to have to wait two years. Rob, you're reading all this stuff. What stands out to you? Well, to me, what people don't understand about how television has changed is a lot of these shows, when we had, like, Star Trek The Next Generation was and the modern Star Trek shows up till this point. Um, I mean, the, the classic Berman era from 87 to 2005, they had standing sets. They were shooting these on sound stages. So they weren't going anywhere. And, and when they needed to do, quote, unquote, a bottle show, and they needed just a show that just happened on the sets, they could, which means they had they could shoot an episode in eight days and they would do their post. A show like Andor, a lot of it's on location. It's, it's, it, they're shooting a Star Wars movie, but it's 12 hours long or it's six it's hours. Probably okay. six, six hours six change, hour. yeah. But still, if you think about that, that's three. That was what six years between, or nine years it took to make the original Star Wars trilogy. So two years, I mean, I can understand that Andor... Think about it. If the second season is going to take two years, the first season took two years. I bet they weren't even done with all the episodes until fairly recently, even with COVID, because they had started the show and they had to redo some rewrites and all that. So it makes sense to me that they took a break, finished the series. They were in post, like Gilroy said, for about a year, and they probably recently finished. And now they're gearing up to start again. You know, in November, they shoot, like you pointed out, November to August is a hell of a long shoot. Which shows even te- for a movie, even for a movie, it shows how technically there's a lot going on. And I, I don't know if our, is Gilroy's not directing every episode. Is he? There's different directors. I, I don't. I, that's a very. You know, I'm not even sure. Oh, I haven't I, been paying attention. I actually know because um, when I went to go see it on the Disney lot, uh, Tony Gilroy was there, and he was talking about how they had broken up the directors in chunks of. Oh, I that's think right. It was three, three episodes. Three, three, that's, three, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. But even then, if you're directing three episodes, like that's a movie. You know, even if it's half an hour long. So, unfortunately, I mean, I can totally, this is not out of the ordinary, this length of time. It's a bummer. Yeah. But it's like we're getting, if it's as good as you say it is, and everybody, I mean, the reaction to this has been universally glowing. And it's because, I mean, just even this shot, you can tell that, my God, this this looks like it's cinematic. Uh, it's a movie that we're seeing. From what I understand. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. I I, I really, really Dude, I'm can. stoked. And I cannot wait for us to do our Andor after show. Uh, that will be tomorrow, of course, at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time tomorrow. We're doing our open mic today, but tomorrow at 3 p.m. we're going to be doing our Andor after show, covering the first three episodes. Of course, we hope that you guys will join us for that. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? It sounds like 2024 is when we're going to have to wait for Andor Season 2 to come out. Is that okay? No big deal? Maybe you're thinking like, ah, whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, before we move into our next main topic here today, we're going to take another second and thank another sponsor of our show. You want to learn stuff about screenwriting, filmmaking, independent filmmaking, or anything else, you need to go to our friends at Masterclass. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. You guys know we have been sponsored by Masterclass and we love them here at the John Campia Show for giving us in-depth information on a wide variety of topics from the world's best experts. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn the art of filmmaking from James Cameron, improve your cooking skills from Gordon Ramsay, or learn how to make compelling YouTube videos from Marquise Brownlee. With over 150 classes from a range of world class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is close 
closer than you think. I was recently watching through the independent filmmaking course by Spike Lee, and I found it fascinating that not only did he cover the broader topics like working with actors, but he also gets into finer details like working with a cinematographer and how to properly audition a DP for your project. It was fascinating. So guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class, and as a John Campia Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash campia now. That's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off Masterclass. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Guys, don't forget, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So I encourage you to go down to the description right at the top. You're going to see a link to all of today's sponsors and their promo codes. Go check them out and make sure you use those promo codes. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Rob, what is our fourth main topic today? John, our fourth main topic comes to us from Mr. Lights, please. Hey, John and crew, September marks 10 years since Carl Urban's wow. Dread which to me is the most underrated comic movie ever. Thoughts on wanting a sequel? In the age of decades later movies, this one surely needs a sequel. All right, thanks a lot for writing that in, Mr. Lights, please. You know, I, 10 years, 10 years. The official release date for, for Dread was September 21st tomorrow, but it played in a lot of places around the company, around the country the night before, which is today, 10 years since that Dread movie came out. And I've got a, a kind of a special connection to it because at Comic-Con, the Comic-Con prior leading up to Dread coming out, a few months before Dread came out, um, I was doing my annual Masters of the Web panel at Comic-Con and my special guest on it that year was Carl Urban. And uh, they had invited me, they were gonna do the first screening of Dread at comic-con so in the morning carl urban came he was on my panel we talked a lot about dread whatever and then they invited me to come and be the moderator for the q a at the the uh the fan event the big screening for it and it was nerve-wracking for me because i thought the movie looked like garbage <laughs> and i was so nervous i was so nervous because i was having carl urban on the panel. It's like i i i haven't seen the movie yet i wasn't going to see it till later that evening and i didn't want to pretend like i thought it was going to be good because i didn't think it was going to be any good and I was super nervous about it. So we do the panel. Urban was fantastic on my panel. We, we went, to, uh, went to the theater that night, sat down nervously, knowing I was going to have to moderate this Q&A afterwards, sat down in the theater with everybody else to watch the movie, and I was blown away. Blown away. Shocked. Because the trailers for this movie were terrible. Like, like, not quite as bad, but rank up there with John Carter. Uh, rank right up there with Day After Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat. Like, it's truly, it was bad. The trailers were bad. And this was still a title that had the stench of that Sylvester Stallone version on it from years earlier. It was bad. So nobody had any expectations going into this movie at all. And then I still remember being in that theater, man. That theater was buzzing. As that movie was playing, I, I so like right from near the beginning of the film during that one bike chase as he's chasing down the van of streets and the, the guys are getting run over. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? This is amazing. I was so in it. Carl Urban just carried that movie so freaking perfectly. And Dread is actually should be brought up as one of the poster children when everybody says, why is everything being rebooted? Because movies like Dread can happen. Dread, which is 
far superior in every i love me some sly stallone everybody knows that but this dread is so superior in every way to that other dread this is why sometimes reboots are a great idea this movie had the visceral violence, but it didn't sacrifice intriguing character for visual violence. Also, it never felt the need to go, this has to be about one man saving the whole world. No, nah, man, this is about one cop on a mission. In many ways, it kind of had the raid kind of vibe for it. But some people accuse this movie of being a, a ripoff of the raid. This movie was in production before the raid yep. ever came out. Um, so it's got that raid kind of cop on a mission feel. Uh, it was performed beautifully the atmosphere and aesthetic of the film was perfect um and again the action of it and the visceralness of it it was delicious and that is why i think there's an argument to be made like depending on if you consider peter jackson's live action lord of the rings to be a reboot of the uh animated lord of the rings sure. some people do some people don't whatever but but that aside i contend that this is the greatest reboot ever um, and I think to this day it stands as possibly, I mean, the thing, John Carpenter's a thing would have to be in there. Scarface would have to be in that discussion as well. There are a few other, the fly would have to be in that discussion. But for me, this, this to me is the best one because there is such a huge gap between the first film and then this one. I love it. Rob, you look back on it. What were your thoughts on dread as we look back on it now, 10 years later and do you think we could ever actually get a sequel to it? Dude, I love Judge Dredd. Uh, I, Judge Dredd obviously comes from the pages of two, 2000 AD. It's a British comic character. Yep. Um, I was a fanatic when I first got really back into comics in the early 80s. Eagle was reprinting these Dredd comics in the United States. I loved the the series. Um, I was very disappointed. It really It's a contrast in tones if you look at the first Judge Dredd as opposed to this one. This movie... Everything about this movie is great. It has incredible, there's a 3D, it was released in 3D. The 3D is some of the best on this side of Avatar. Carl Urban is perfect as Judge Dredd. Oh, I um, forgot to mention Lena Headey. Lena Headey as the villain. I mean, my God, I own this movie. I own 3D Blu-rays, 4K Blu-rays. I have action figures of, it's never been officially released, of Judge Dredd and Judge Anderson. I've never been able to get the Judge Dredd motorcycle. Anyone out there, hook me up. Uh, I love this I love it so much. And, you know, what's interesting is they could absolutely do a new version of this film. I mean, a, a continuation, because I think like Terminator, the original Terminator, it has grown in stature because of cable, because of home video over the last 10 years. I absolutely think a new version of this is viable. It would be a continuation, not a reboot. Just Carl Urban comes back. There's so many, the Judge Child quest, uh, the the block, uh, the block wars you know the the there's so many great storylines judge death there's even that supernatural element they could do so many cool things with this it really kills me i don't understand i mean there's one reason it didn't make a lot of money that's the only reason we haven't seen another one but my god what a damn shame this franchise is ripe for re not reinvention or rebooting but a continuation you know what on one of the most infamous episodes ever of amc heroes we had the producer of Dread, and I'm forgetting. I can't remember if anybody remembers his name. He was dude who had. The I wasn't on, on that show. And, yeah, you weren't on it. Oh, Avi. Uh, yes. Um, oh, Addy. Uh, oh, Sakar or Shank Shankar? Yeah, Avi Shankar. Adi Shankar. Adi Shankar. Adi Shankar. I remember actually. It was, I think I was uh, technical producing that show, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It was the uncomfortable silences. The most like. 
painful episode of Heroes we ever did. Not that, was... that he's not a really good guy. <clears throat> like we, we we were hanging out before the show started. And like good guy. Like hey, a, a colorful character. You know, a good dude. But I remember we did Heroes with him, and we were talking about the idea about doing like a a, a sequel and his <clears throat> hopes for having because he was also producing. Um, uh, Transylvania, no, what's the name of it? Uh, Castlevania. He was producing the animated series Castlevania for Netflix at the same time, right? Right. And I remember we would ask him a question, and every time we asked him a question, every answer started with... Crickets. Now, for those of you trying to listen to the podcast version of this, it is dead silence. And, like, every time we would ask him a question, it would be, like, 30 excruciating seconds of dead silence followed by like a, some kind of non-answer answer it was didn't, like crazy didn't he also produce that like fan, the r-rated power rangers fan film yes he did and yes, he also he did. did something recently on netflix i believe it was like an animated sort of uh superhero uh it wasn't castlevania no no it was, someone had just mentioned it he did nothing well i mean i know my wife loves his castlevania yeah yeah she loves it. but so I just remember we had that on its level. It's like the most infamous. <clears throat> if some of you guys can find the link to oh, that one, man. put it in the comment section. But it was like the most infamous episode we had ever done on Heroes. But I mean, I, yeah, look, there's no way around. This movie flopped hard. And it was those two elements. It still carried the stench of the first Judge Dredd, unfortunately. Uh, I, forgot what I, we were ta- I forgot what you were talking about, Dredd. I got so wrapped up into this. <laughs> it's Guardians of Justice. Yeah. Oh. Have you heard of that? No. I've I, watched that that I, I watched the first episode. I... It was all right. But I mean, that and of course the terrible trailers. Right. The absolute horrendous trailers. And because it failed so badly, I, I got to disagree <clears throat> with you. I don't think any studio is going to want to put up the money to make it. No, they're sequel. not going to. I, but, but they should. Carl Urban has said forever he'd be more than willing to do it. But, you know, he'd also want to get paid. And yeah. Who's going to pay? I, him? I know. Uh, I know. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? It is the 10th anniversary of Carl Urban's fantastic Dread iteration. Do you guys remember it fondly? Maybe you weren't a big fan of it. Do you think they could ever actually get a sequel made? Could they find somebody to actually put up the money? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our fifth and final main topic here today, shall we? Rob. What is our fifth main topic? John, our fifth main topic comes from Mikey Roberts. Apparently in France, if a studio releases a movie in theaters, they have to wait 17 months before they can make that movie available on their streaming platform or any other streaming platform for that matter. As a result, Disney is considering canceling the entire release of Black Panther 2 in France. Do you think it's possible Disney would actually refuse to release Black Panther 2 in France? What should Disney do? Is this law good or bad for theaters? All right, man. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And, you know, the idea and the concept of theatrical windows has been a topic of discussion for at least since Dread came out. Like, for at least 10 years, we've been talking about it on AMC Movie Talk, Collider Movie Talk, the John Campion Show. I mean, it's it's always been a big thing, and it's been moving a little bit. The standard release window uh, was, what was it, four months? Three months? Four yeah, months? 90 days. And now it's like 45 days. It's like a month and a half. And it's shrunk considerably. Now, that, of course, has caused a lot of concern, confusion, anxiety with exhibitors, with distributors, with everybody involved. France went one step further. 
they passed a law that I believe is called the media chronology rule that basically says, like the person in the email said, that if a movie plays in theaters in France, it cannot go to a subscription streaming service for 17 months. 17 months. This comes to us from the folks over at the Digital Fix who write the following. Black Panther 2 is set to be the final, the finale of Phase 4, but according to La Film Francis uh, via Books of P, the Marvel movie may miss out on a theatrical release in France due to the country's complex laws around theatrical releases and streamers. This is because following France's updated media, media chronology agreement, French law mandates theatrically released films have to wait 17 months before being released on subscription-based streaming services. This means that if Disney released the superhero movie in theaters, the earliest the company would be able to drop the film on Disney Plus is April 2024, which, in Marvel years at least, is a very long time. In a statement to Film Francis, transcribed by the direct, a representative of Disney said, the media timeline forces us to evaluate our theatrical releases on a film-by-film -film basis. We have not yet made a decision on the release of Black Panther. And that, of course, comes to us from the digital fix. All right. This is very, very interesting. And before we as film fans become tempted to think, oh, whatever, it's just in France. There have been many trends that have happened in other countries first that later get adopted in North America. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen in this case. I'm not. I'm just saying it would be foolish to kind of ignore precedents that get set in other markets. May or may not ever become an issue here, but it'd be foolish to not at least pay attention to it because it could. So this is not the first time Disney's had to deal with this. They have actually had another film earlier this year that they decided to forego the uh, theaters in France at all and just put it directly on streaming on Disney Plus in France instead and only on Disney Plus in France. That's where one of those VPNs would really come in handy and say, yes, I am in France. <laughs> Let me watch it on Disney Plus. So, but Black Panther, other than Avatar, is the most significant box office movie to come out for the rest of the year. Like there's Avatar and there's Black Panther too. All due respect for Black Adam, I'm very much looking forward to Black Adam, but Black Adam is not going to make Black Panther numbers, nor is it going no. to make Avatar numbers. All due respect, and I'm looking forward to it, but it's just not. So you got these two things. That is a huge deal for the people in France and for the, for the exhibitors in France. And I guarantee you that exhibitors all around the world are kind of paying close attention to this to see what kind of possible trends this could or could not set. At the end of the day, Rob, this is what I think is going to happen. I don't think they're going to release it theatrically in France. And I do not think they're going to do what they did with that other film. I don't think they're going to instead just put it directly on Disney Plus in France because I think they're worried about piracy. Because you put out Black Panther 2 on Disney Plus in France, you're going to get flooded with highest of high quality rips of Black Panther 2 globally yep. within 12 hours. Yep. So not only... I think, are we in a position right now where France is not going to get this movie in theaters? I don't think the people are going to get on Disney Plus. They're just going to have to go without and wait until it does come out in the rest of the world on Disney Plus. Could something like this create precedence for the rest of the world? It could in other markets. I don't know if it would in North America, but I mean, I think there are going to be a lot of jurisdictions and markets that are going to be paying very close attention to this. Rob, you see this. What do you think about this rule? Because honestly, I am an advocate for longer theatrical windows. 
But my definition of longer is like two months, <laughs> two and a half months, maybe three months. I think the 45-day window is a little bit short, not 17 months. Anyway, Rob, what do you think about the situation they're in? What do you think about this law in France? And then ultimately, what do you think is going to happen with Black Panther in this market? Well, it's a tough spot for Disney to be in. I, I respect their situation, but God bless the French because, you know, France, the whole French culture still believes in the importance of art and art yes, permeated they do. from a meal, from clothing, fashion to architecture to cinema. I mean, the land of, of Calle du Cinema, where, where the great reviewers like Godard and Truffaut became filmmakers themselves. You know, the first time I was in Paris, John, I was struck by you could be wandering around a Paris neighborhood. You turn a corner and there's a cinema there. Like, and they were playing Casablanca. And like, awesome. you go into the cinema and it's this, you know, it's this beautiful, I mean, it's not huge, but it's in a neighborhood, you know, and, and there are people in there watching Casablanca. You know, and no one's there. There's because that's what you do. Uh, cinema is for going to the cinema and seeing movies, and they love. And that's what this is doing. It's preserving. It's preserving film as an art form. Look, we the Americans are really great at getting rid of a pretense of art, turning everything into let's commodify it all. Let's make our money right now, which is fine. But at the end of the day, what is it about being a human being? It's all about, you know, there's got to be some culture, some history, some. So I get that law. I, I appreciate their law. But, you know, Disney's in a tough spot. Yeah. Because they're interested in making money. Black Panther costs a lot of money. They need to get their money back. I mean, you know, French cinema itself, they're also preserving their own film industry, which is also vibrant. But they're not making $250 million blockbusters that need True. to open worldwide. Yeah. So it's a different, I mean, it's a cultural difference. And I totally get it. I totally understand. I think what's going to happen is ultimately Disney will release Black Panther on their streaming service when we get it. Yeah. After it's because France is a, is a vibrant market. I don't mean to piss the French off, but the it's not a huge market. You know, they could survive. They'd much rather get into China. It's one of the most important European markets. Oh, it absolutely but, is yeah, compared to the because North they're because market. their culture, they're all film goers. So they do they don't it's not an insignificant amount of money, but it's the kind of thing where where I don't know if Disney wants to fight City Hall, because secretly I think I think Kevin Feige appreciates. He might not like it, but he appreciates what the French are trying to do about cinema. Well, and listen, Preserve. it goes it goes beyond this particular law too, because you go all the way back. Look at the, some of the controversy that's been surrounding the Cannes Film Festival the last couple of years, where like a number of streamers have wanted to bring their movies there, and the French are like, and you know I, I'm Canadian, I grew up with a lot of French. I had to take it and say, say no, <laughs> no. Like, you cannot play your movies here because you are not playing in the theater, right? So, like, there have been a lot of, like, Netflix has had problems with, with Cannes as well. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see where this goes because you're right. France is one of the, I, I mean, if there's one country you have to think about that really appreciates art, you're probably going to say France. France and Italy. Yeah. You know, I mean, now I'm sure it's not as popular today as it should be. But, I mean, the French, everything is art. I, I mean, my girlfriend's half French. Her mother is completely French. And like, if I eat something and I don't put it on a plate and organize it and put sauces and, and, and things, they get pissed. Like you can't just, you can't just eat soup out of, out of the bowl you cooked it in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why? It's less dishes. That's, that's terrible. You need to put it in a real bowl mm -hmm. and put peppers and spices in it and make it better. I'm like, baby, come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, have, I have a question though. Um, so you can't release the film 
theater wide in France, but then just geo block it streaming. Like they control if you stream it in some other country. That's what I, that's no, where I'm see, confused. No, like, so what is not at stake here is that Disney theoretically could release the film in theaters in France and then release it on Disney plus two months later, except in France. Right. Yeah. And Disney's like, well, we don't want to have to wait 17 months. Like we have Disney plus subscribers in France and we don't want to piss them off. So yeah, no, so it's not so like- So better to get them earlier on the streaming than to do the theater. Yeah, well, see, they're not forbidden from putting it on Disney Plus in mm -hmm. America if they put it in theaters in France. It's that you can't put it on Disney Plus in France. And I mean, that's what they're- Well, let me ask about. you this, John. If, if you're Disney and you know that, like, like you don't know how many subscribers you're going to get from Wakanda Forever, because you've already got a lot of Disney Plus subscribers in France. But what if you're going to make 40 million at the box office in France? Do you take that 40 million? If if I'm Disney? Yeah. Yes. And you yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, listen, listen, as much as I'm I agree saying, with you 100%. I don't think Disney's going to put this thing out in France like they are in the rest of the world. If I was there, because I mean, everybody who's Bob Chapek's not listening to Kevin Feige anyway, because the dude's not all there. But I mean, if I was there in Bob Chapek's, uh, you know, Star Chamber room, and he was putting up to a vote, I would say, listen, we're, we're going to make tens of millions of dollars on this movie with a theatrical release in France. And in France, that's big. Tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. We are not going to make tens of millions of dollars of releasing this on Disney+. Plus. I get it. We have Disney Plus subscribers. We have to service them as well. But they'll get it eventually. We put this thing in theaters. But Bob Chapek, of course, will not listen to me. So uh, nor does he return my calls. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen. By the way, I love your French thing there. The uh, I remember I actually had to give my wife Anne French lessons once <laughs> because my, my wife Anne, massive crush on the greatest mixed martial arts of all time, Georges Saint-Pierre, uh, who is, of course, French-Canadian. She goes, okay, but I, if I want to talk to him in French, what do I say? So I spent the afternoon to teach her how to say, bonjour, Georges, and she's, bonjour, Georges, je m'appelle Anne. Je m'appelle Anne. And I just get, walked her through a first kind of conversation so she could go up to George St. Pierre and say, Bonjour, George. Je m'appelle Anne. Come on to Beltou. I mean, so it was. Dude, it works. I, well, we were at the American Cinematheque to see Amelie and uh, Jean Pierre Genet. The God, I love that movie. Jean Pierre Genet, the director, was there and we had an original French poster and it's how we kind of met. And I go, we're going to get this poster signed and all these people are crowding around him. Elizabeth's like, we can't get down there. I'm like, I can't get down there, but you speak fluent French. <laughs> and so she goes down there and everyone's surrounding him. And, and he's like, she's like, you know, Mr. Genet in, in French. Blah, 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 blah. And of course he goes, oh, come through, come through. And, you know, it's a Aww. big French poster and he signed it. That's awesome. There is benefits. Bonjourno. Bon All right, guys. <laughs> question is for you. What do you think about this whole situation? Because listen. If it's going on in France, don't think for a second that it cannot spread, especially maybe to some other European markets. So this is a really interesting and evolving situation. What do you think ultimately is going to happen here? Do you think Disney might release it anyway in France? I kind of think that they won't, but maybe you think they will. Can you see some other way around it? Maybe some kind of technical loophole. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down now, we are going to open up our Super Chat. So if you guys have a thought, theory, opinion, question that you would like me and Rob to address here in the second half of the show, go ahead and start firing them in now. But do so quickly because we only leave the Super Chats open for a couple of minutes because they fill up pretty quick. Also, try to be very 
very, you know, uh, conservative with your multi-part questions. If you have to make it two-part, that's fine. But try not to try to avoid the three, four, five, six-part questions. That just makes it difficult for us. Anyway, guys, so go ahead and do that now. But before we get to those questions, we want to thank my cell phone service provider, our friends at Mint Mobile. Hey guys, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding, there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile just has premium wireless service from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. I used to dread opening my phone bill every month because every time I was opening it, it was like playing roulette. I never knew what the actual price was going to be and it always seemed to get higher, but not with Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And if you're worried about the complication of switching things over, don't. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Seriously, you'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our dear friends at Mint Mobile for, number one, putting out that great Wrexham show. I'm really enjoying that. And for being my cell phone service provider and for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that all down, let's now move over and start taking your live comments, thoughts, and questions. We're going to start, of course, as we do every day, with our beloved channel members. Ray, what do we got? Um, okay, sorry. Uh, Alex Gonzalez writes, hey, John, how come they don't just rent it on Disney Plus like they did Black Widow? Uh, because that was a disaster and it didn't work for anybody. Uh, they realized that they did not make even a fraction of the money they would have made in theaters. Um, and uh, it turned out being another disaster for them. All right, what's next? Uh, Groovy Movies writes, what's your favorite slasher film franchise? Mine is Halloween, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre original is my favorite slasher film. Slasher movies, man. I, I guess I'll have to go, just, I mean, at the risk of sounding stereotypical, I guess I'll say Friday the 13th. I mean, I like a lot of horror films, but I'm not super into the 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 prime slasher films. Well, what would you say is your favorite slasher? Well, you know what? I, I grew up with the slasher genre, but in terms, he asked about franchise specifically, I would go Nightmare on Elm Street because they have a fantasy component that I really enjoy. And if you get to like Dream, uh, the uh, uh, the third, fourth, and fifth films with like Dream Master, Dream Child, Dream Warriors, they're pretty good. You know, they're not just a psycho killer killing teenagers. I mean, there's something more going on, really imaginative. So I got to go with Nightmare. Uh, All right, what's next? I don't have a franchise, but I think my favorite film is the Happy Death Day. I, oh, I, God, I love I'm a, Happy I'm a Death newer, Day. I'm a newer slasher uh, uh, watcher. That movie is fantastic. It is good. I love Happy there Death Day. There is a sequel, right? What's that? There is a sequel to that, right? Yeah, there's Happy Death Day mm. to you, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. Okay, right, what's next? Mark Gomez writes, I own Dogma on physical media. Everybody's invited to come and watch it. And yeah, if you're one of the lucky few that actually already has your copy of it, hang you know what? If you wanted to put that sucker on eBay, you might actually get a pretty good amount for it. I don't know, because it's a collector's edition at this point. All right, what's next? Dakota Woods writes, every time I watch Cobra Kai, 
and I see Terry Silver, I immediately think of Rob. It's not just the white, but they both cool to them that is incredibly watchable. There is a cool to them. Well, thank you. That's incredible. Um, by the way, Terry Silver, one of my favorite moments of TV. People know what I'm talking about. Boy, was it satisfying. I have no idea what we're speaking about. It has to do with House of the Dragon, right? <laughs> it's a House of the Dragon. Yeah, thing, we're right? all Targaryens here. <laughs> all right, what's next? Rastafarian uh, Targaryen. Santez Henderson writes, according to Variety, Hot D is averaging 29 million viewers an episode, up 3% from last week. When you have a show that is great and you release it week to week, you're going to see your... You're going to see word of mouth spread. You're going to see everybody come back. You're going to see them bringing new people on board. And that is the advantage of it. And that is why House of the Dragon is kind of ruling the world right now. It's it's exceptional, exceptional television. I love Gosh, it. Gosh, I wonder who's been talking about that for years it, It's now. only, we can think of somebody that's been mentioning that. All right, what's next? Okay, the Everything Entertainment Network writes, my problem with Disney Plus releases is that 80% of everything that hasn't been Marvel slash Star Wars hasn't just been bad it's been worst of the year awful hard to get excited for disenchanted slash hocus pocus um turning red i'm turn good. yeah turning red uh black widow wasn't that bad what, what was the one uh what was the the pixar one with the the mermaid luca? what's that was it luca 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 wasn't bad it wasn't you know premier pixar but it, it was pretty good uh, but i mean but like they're they're Here's the thing about Disney Plus. It's like 5% premium content. Your Mandalorian, your WandaVision, your Andor. And then it's a whole bunch of Walmart bargain bin filler. And they put out a lot of that crap. Yeah. And I remember in like the first year, I was really frustrated with Disney Plus because in the first year, it's like we had Man Mandalorian. It's like, great. And then it was just all that. What are you talking about? John? They put a tons of new stuff. Yeah, but it's all Walmart bargain bill stuff. Like nobody signed up for Disney plus for all this other stuff. And there was a real lack of premium content. Now they have changed that. We are getting much more premium content now, but yeah, there, there's not a lot to get excited about Disney plus originals other than their premiums. And I have to say, John, I mean, I think you and I both thought Enchan uh, disenchanted looked fun. I think that looks really fun. I I'm thought so too. You know, Amy Adams, it looks fun. I thought Hocus Pocus 2 looked bad. I have zero interest in Hocus Pocus 2. I, I had zero interest in it, but even as a, like, I could understand a movie like that can be competent. Sure. You know, like, there's a movie coming out about a kid and his crocodile, his CG crocodile. Was it later, the alligator, no, uh, something. Taylor, the alligator, something I, like I that? I actually watched, the, it would never be a movie I would watch, but I watched the trailer this morning. I thought the trailer was ridiculous. <laughs> but I looked at it, I'm like, okay, that looked to me more, I was. this is what I thought. I go, that looks more entertaining to me than Hocus Pocus. Okay, everybody, like, uh, Santa Punch and Sean Ayers say, Lyle, Lyle, the co crocodile. Lyle, Lyle, the crocodile. Yes. I, I mean, I'm I would never so watch. I'm so excited about not watching that. It's Game crazy. Game day. Game day to Lyle, Lyle. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> no Lyle, Lyle, the crocodile for me but at least it looked like it had more wit than hocus pocus too and by the way in that trailer neither kathy najimi nor sarah jessica parker spoke That's only true. bet Midland did yeah. and i'm like do they speak in the movie or were they on set for like a day but i, I will say this too the real value of disney plus is not the walmart bargain bin filler no and it's not even their premium moon night and whatever no it's their library. Yes. 
it's <laughs> knowing that I can flip on Disney Plus and watch Aladdin. Knowing that I can just flip on Disney Plus and watch Avengers. Knowing that I can flip on Disney Plus and watch, oh, well, like, I don't know, Beauty and the Beast. Well, the whole or, legacy of the studio. I mean, all just, the way back to Snow White. It's almost worth it to me to have that Disney Plus just for the library. Yep. It, it's, it's really great. That is truly, you just nailed why Disney Plus is valuable. Because, literally because, especially if you have family and kids, every family that ever has kids will always get Disney Plus because of that library. Yep. All right. That's what's what next? I think that's it. that's it. All right. Let's move on to our Super Chats. What do we got? Ben Rayner with drops the $20 Thank Super you, Chat. Thank you, Ben. My top five movies of all time. One, Back to the Future. Two, A New Hope. Three, Beauty and the Beast. Four, Logan. Five. Oh, Logan. Five. I was thinking Logan Five, Logan's Run. Five, Hook. Sorry, Rob. Logan is the newest in the top five and top ten. Uh, I like all the films in your top. Can we bring that up again for a second? Uh, the only film you have in your top five that's even in my top ten is Star Wars. And in my top ten list, I give one dedicated spot to what I call Star Wars. Right. That is uh, New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi. That, to me, is Star Wars. So I, when I say Star Wars in my top ten, I mean that. Yeah. I also do the same for Lord of the Rings. That includes Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King. I just kind of condense that into one spot. Um, so Star Wars is the only one, but I love all the other films on your list. Yeah, I Including could. Hook. Love Hook. Hook. I mean, I can't. I don't love Hook. Bangarang. All right, what's next? Stub McShave says, I think the best Oscar film will be duked out between Babylon, The Fablemans, and Triangle of Sadness. I haven't seen any of these movies. I could be whiff. Triangle of Sadness looks great, by the way. That trailer is great. It's a foreign film. I think it's French. Is it French? But it looks good. So Listen, it's it's I can't even begin to venture to say who's going to be battling out for best picture when I haven't seen them yet. I mean, sure, I mean, we say the Fablemans probably has a nose up right now because it did win TIFF, and that's a little bit of a prognostication. But I mean, at this point it's too early, but it could very well be those ones. All right, what's next? Uh, Al Renshaw says, I know this will most likely never happen, but I would love to see Raven or Trigon appear in Constantine. I, I, look, as much as look, I love New Teen Titans, love New Teen Titans, and I love Trigon. But you're mixing and matching these two franchises. I would love to see it happen, too. I mean, Trigon would be a great villain for Constantine, but it's not going to happen. All right. What's next? Uh, Sam Fisher, one or two. Rob. I had the exact same thought about Bond. They could remake on Her Majesty's Secret Service and just call it on His Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, but I don't think they would do that because I think people would get the two movies confused. Well, you know, you might be right because when they were doing, when they did License to Kill with Timothy Dalton in 89, the John Gardner, John, uh, James Bond books had come out and one of the books was called License Revoked. And they thought about using those titles. This is true. But then the like American audiences would not really understand what revoked meant. So they decided to just go with license to kill. You know what? I'd, I honestly don't think the audience would confuse on Her Majesty's Circuit Service and, Her Majesty, and His Majesty's Secret Service. I don't either. I really don't think the audiences would get confused. I, think I, I mean, I think that's a perfect... I mean, on Her Majesty's Secret Service came out in 1969. And on His Majesty's Secret Service, you know what that does? It tells you it's a new day. It's a new era. It's a new dawn. It's a new era. Yeah. All right, what's next? I love that. Casey Mack says, well, guys, just got my 4K Steelbook version of The Lost Boys on Blu-ray yesterday. Where's mine? I don't know. Can't wait to do a rewatch of it tonight. Uh, apparently, both The Lost Boys and Poltergeist, which came out this week, have incredible transfers. 
You know, Incredible we, we, we've talked before about there are certain movies that have perfect songs for them, like existing songs, whether it's like Immigrant Song and Thor Ragnarok or, or, or stuff like that. People are strange yep. when you're a stranger. Getting demonetized, gotta be careful. That song in Lost Boys is perfect. Lost Boys has perfect a great either. soundtrack, Cry Little Sister. Yeah, I was gonna say, Cry Little Sister is my favorite on that. It, I still believe, I mean, Cry Little Sister is such a great song. Still with my that, favorite vampire movie. swooping shot where you oh, basically are yep. thinking you're like the vampire. It's so great. All right, what's next? Johnny Weiner says, Rise Eye fans always has a way of playing green characters Otto and dr kurt connor's lizard <laughs> i love his character in house of the dragon and his daughter in the green dress representing wow and he has a great future in the sh- in the series well, you know what i in the preview for the next episode i don't think we saw him so i i, I certainly hope he's not done with the show well i, I want oh no he's coming around. back okay good because i i simply did not know if he was now just gone but he, he has a big part there. to play all right what's next uh, CJ Rebirth says, "Happy 13 years to Cloudy without a chance with a chance of meatballs." I love that movie. It's a great movie. It's it's a great little animated film. I there was a sequel to it, which was not as memorable, but I really really like that first one. A really lot. good. All right, what's next? Uh, Raymond Verada says, "What do you think of the release of Apple's Emancipation in time for the Oscar voting season?" That's an interesting question. The Will Smith movie was made before the slap. I have not, I don't recall hearing when they're going to release it. Me neither. Are they releasing it this year before? Like, are you asking that theoretically? I don't think they're ready to release it yet. They will release it. They definitely will. I don't know. For all I know, there was already an announcement that it is going to come out in December or something. That aside, I don't know if they will or not. I think they might let just everything blow over a little bit more. Maybe March, April, May of of next year, they can put that out. I mean, it's it's not going anywhere. So do you think they're going to put it out? I don't think they're going to put out this year. I mean, what uh, Taylor, soon, do me a favor and look up to see if there's been any announcement about the release date. I just looked it up and it says uh, in May of 2022, it was uh, delayed to a possible 2023 release date. Yeah, and that's where it's probably going yeah. to be. I don't think they'll put it out this soon. I agree. All right, what's next? Jay Master says Disney has announced that the first season of the animated series, The Spectacular Spider Man and Spider Man, the new animated series, is coming to Disney Plus in the U.S. On Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. Yes. That's cool. I love Spectacular Spider-Man. I'll be honest with you. Not a big fan of DC or Marvel animated stuff. Uh, I mean, there are exceptions. There are a couple of very, very big exceptions. But, uh, and I don't count Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. That's a totally different studio. But I, I generally don't get too psyched up for DC or Marvel animated stuff. I don't know. Maybe this one could change my mind. Ray, you seem to like it. I, know, I like the sp- spectacular Spider-Man right, series. So maybe this will yeah. change my mind. Well, I, I don't think it'll be for you. I mean, it's a series. Of, it's like the Spider-Man life. I mean, I can't get enough of it, but if you've, you've seen it once and before, so. All right. There's a, an Avengers animated series that it's it's not even on Disney Plus and it's not Avengers Assembled. I remember watching it like maybe eight, nine years ago. I loved it, and I can't find it anywhere. It, it's it's not any of the other Avengers like streaming um, series that's out there. So if anyone knows it, knows what I'm talking about, throw it in the chat. All right, what's next? Andy says one of two. Just started Harley Quinn season three. I never knew how much I needed more of based socialist mayor and dad Joker and the relationship <laughs> between Batman and Harley. And that's it. It's just the that. Oh, oh God, it. I tell you, this season, I don't know. I don't know that I would say this was the best season of Harley Quinn, but it is another banger. This this season, there's an episode called Batman Begins 
Forever. Forever. Batman Begins Forever is the name. It's a great episode, actually. Like conceptually, it's a fantastic episode, but man, everything with Bruce and Selena is is fantastic. Bane. I, I wanted more Bane in this season, but we didn't get more Bane, but the Bane we got was absolutely fantastic. I and and again, the relationship of Harley and uh Ivy is the best relationship in superhero storytelling. <laughs> it's it this season was so great, man. I loved it. All right, what's next? Uh, Lorenzo Ramos says, Hey Rob and Ray, I finished watching for all mankind and wow, what a finale. Danny has got to go. Can't wait for season four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny for a show that I find to be so aspirational and so like, like uplifting the fact that I want two characters, both brothers whose parents died to die horrible deaths. I feel guilty. But about even that. when it's, you know, my hate has kind of calmed down now that it's off air. You're yeah, still, yeah, yeah. You're still up there with that. <laughs> well, no, what I think about, you know, it, look, people have criticized the show to me. They're like, well, Rob, it's so melodramatic. And I, when it comes to the Stevens boys, I can't, I can't, I have okay. to say, I understand, I know Listen, it is. I have never wanted a TV show character to die. Like, obviously, like everybody else on the planet, Joffrey want him to die. Uh, Ramsey Snow. Want him to Ramsey die. Bolton. Ramsey Bolton, sorry, want him to die. Like a lot. Until Nate <laughs> on Ted Lasso. <laughs> Nate on Ted Lasso <laughs> needs to die a horrible death. Maybe like Bolton's death. Maybe some savage hungry dogs ripping him apart by the testicles or something. Nate in Ted Lasso needs to die. There can't be a redemption arc. There can't be something fun and quippy and light. He actually needs to be hit by a truck. And 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 Roy Kent needs to be driving that truck. I just 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 throwing that out there. That character needs to die. All right. Sorry about that. All right, what's next? Uh, Jay says question for y'all. Why do you think is the reason we never got a Robin or Dick Grayson or Nightwing movie? What do you think has caused some of the delays or apprehensions in green lighting a motion picture? Honestly, I think for the most part is live action. Listen, people get upset when I say this, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm right. A live action Robin told in the traditional vein of Robin does not. It's problematic when you try to do that live action in the comic books. It's great. The Batman takes on a, a, what did, what was he originally in, in the comics? Like 10 uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, originally. Robert I think was. it was originally 10 years old, takes on this kid, and this boy wonder goes into action with Batman. And in the comics, that's fine. That's but, great. But, but wait, what if they went with a spinoff movie from jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the end of that uh, well, Batman? Well, he's not really Robin. He's, I know, but what Robin. if they did? Do you think that would have made money? Well, a lot of people, no, I don't think it would have made money. A lot of people speculated that because they said his real name is Robin. Yeah, it was, it was no, Robin. That, it was a fan but, service. Yeah, right? Christopher Nolan said publicly in an interview with, I remember with MSN, said that was just me giving a tip of the hat to the crowd. Right. But, I mean, now if you change the Robin story and you say you know, Dick Grayson comes to be a ward of Bruce Wayne when he's 17 or, or something like that. If you change that, but what you cannot have, I, I hear a lot of people wanting the traditional rub. You can't have Batman running around the streets of Gotham with an 11 year old child with a stick. Right. That it just, you, that's probably I mean, Chris O'Donnell worked in Batman. But again, they altered that, right? He was older. If you want to adapt that and change that up, then you can make it work. Now I know that they were, they had a Nightwing movie all planned. It was all ready to yeah. go. 
And then that got derailed just a couple of years ago. And the director is just like, they kept holding it up and holding it up. And the director finally said, this was just like, this was just like less than a handful of years ago. And the director finally said, I, I'm out, peace out. I, I ran out of time. I've got to work on these other projects now. So I think eventually we are getting Nightwing. But they will they will have to adapt it. It won't be the traditional his origins won't be as the traditional nine year old, ten year old, eleven year old Robin. It'll be something adapted. Yeah, mm. I agree. We should watch Red Robins later. Red Robins. Red Robin. Oh, I, I'm down <laughs> for Red Robin. I'm always down for Red Robin. <laughs> no, you Their garlic fries are delicious. <laughs> what are you talking about? All That's right. The only what's Robin next? That matters. Sam Fisher says, Rob, did you ever watch that Ian Fleming miniseries starring Dominic Cooper as Fleming? Don't remember the name of the show. I did watch it, and I don't remember the name of the show either. It was it was okay. It wasn't I didn't love it. I never saw that. Now he's really good in um uh the, the comic adaptation that was just on AMC. Uh not Priest. Uh what's, oh. what's, it was Priest. No, no, no. No, it's not called no, no, Preacher. No, no. It's, it's, Preacher. Preacher, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you remember? He did a little movie a few years ago that I thought he should have been nominated for an Academy Award for. He did a little thing where he played Saddam Hussein. And it wasn't was the, the devil's double. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. That, yeah. that was played, awesome. He played two roles. He played uh, either Saddam Hussein or Saddam Hussein's son. Yeah, one of the two. Was, yeah. And an exact lookalike that it was, was his used son. as a decoy. He was so good in that. So good. Oh, my God. I wish I wish he got more attention for that. All right. What's next? Zach Marcello says, I know the subject matter is very gruesome, but I'm wondering your thoughts on the upcoming Dahmer show on Netflix. It looks amazing, if not troubling. Well, as I told you, John, mm. I've watched, there's two trailers out. And they both look fantastic. And and our boy, Quicksilver himself, you know, it's Ryan Murphy coming over from American Horror Show. But what's his name again? Um, why am I drawing a blank Evan on Peters. Uh, Evan yeah, Peters. Yeah, Evan Peters. Who got Emmy nominated for uh, Mayor of Ma Ma Town. Yes, right, right. Yes, he was so good. He was so good in that. He looks so, it looks so disturbing. Yes, it does. Like I, the, and the actress, the, the the black actress who plays his neighbor who lives downstairs, like when she's she's trying to get, I didn't, I, I wanted to look into the story, but apparently for months, like she was calling the police going, someone's dying up there. And I, I'm like, they just ignored her. And it's starring Emmy winner, oh, Emmy winner, Emmy winner. Wow. And I'm like, I can't. Molly Ringwald is Molly in it. Ringwald is in it. I mean, look, the story of Jeffrey Dahmer is incredibly disturbing. It, it is really disturbing because of what he did to his victims. And also that, I mean, there were people that said even the cops. There's that one story when one of his victims escaped. Yeah. And the police they made, caught him, they made him and go brought back. him back. Oh my God! He's, like, oh, he's with me. So he's just good. having a, a a mental fit or whatever. They're like, oh, oh we'll take care of him. Dead. Like, oh. yeah, I, I I cannot wait that to see that. Be, it yeah, looks that, great. It looks yeah. great. It looks disturbing as hell, but it looks great. And Evan Peters, maybe he'll get him that Emmy that he didn't get for Mayor of Easttown. Oh, did he get it for Mayor of Easttown? I know he at least got nominated for it. Yeah. All right, what's next? Oh. Ooh, um, here we go. Edgar Edgar Magana says. Saw Jeepers Creepers 4 yesterday, and it was so bad, I walked out after 30 minutes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Edgar. I, I, had no, I still have no plans of devoting any of my time to watching it. There's, like, a, there's a fourth one? Yeah, I was yeah, like, is it in yeah. theaters? Yeah, I think it got a limited release. Oh, wow. wow. Listen, the first Jeepers Creepers is so good. Um, Justin Long in that thing. And the creature's great. The, the creeper the in it great. is so great. The whole mythology of it is so wonderful. And they just ran it into the ground that, after that. But that, the first one's great. Yeah, that very first shot when they introduced the creature to us and he's driving by. Oh, gives me the creep and he looks in the rear so view. Tense. Creeps me out. <laughs> so tense. All right, what's next?
Amin, so, or wait, uh, oh, yeah, there, Cody yeah. Hunt says, you know what horror franchise is ripe for a remake? Pumpkinhead. I love the first Pumpkinhead. Stan Winston directed Pumpkinhead. You know, I never saw Pumpkinhead. You know what? The first one I got to say is actually really good because one of the things about any kind of physical or monster effects that are, you have to know how to light them. And Stan Winston, man, the Pumpkinhead, it's so atmospheric. It, it's, a, it's a good movie. And the creature's great. Not so much Pumpkinhead 2. Not so <laughs> All right. Much. What's next? Um, Amin says... Uh, except I accept it's not for everyone, but I've really been enjoying Rings of Power. I understand some of the issues people have with it, but most of the complaining I see or hear is just hilarious and ridiculous to me. Well, I'll tell you what I mean. Here's the thing. I This has been the most anticipated show for me for three or four years, ever since they announced it. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. The first episode nearly turned me off the series. Like, I, I just thought the first episode would, didn't... like. And it's unfortunate for it that it's coming out at the same time as House of the Dragon is because the House of the Dragon is just firing on all cylinders right from the first episode, right? So unfortunately, and maybe it's fair or unfair, but we are comparing it to that. And I didn't think it was very good. Now, I personally feel that it has improved every episode since to the point where for me, at least, episode four, what I said over this weekend on a live stream I did, I said episode four it finally is starting to look like the show I've been looking for. Mm -hmm. Like episode four for me is like, this is what I, and it's taken it a while. It took four freaking episodes to finally for me start to look like the show that I've been really excited about. But I mean, I think for me at any rate, every episode has been better than the one before. Now, does it maintain that trajectory? Does episode five blow us out of the water? I, I don't know, but I'm enjoying it overall so far, even though I almost ditched on it after the first yeah, did, episode. Did I would, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I would say I do agree with you that the show has been improving every episode. I absolutely think that's true. I just think it's so, I'm waiting for, it's just one note. It doesn't have the depth of character and, and I'm waiting for the, for like, it just seems like Sauron's coming. I want more, but I love I the like dark it's been giving elf. us a bit. I think it's been giving us a bit more than that, but it's just, for me, it's an issue of pacing. Yeah. It's whereas, well, whereas, and you know, I wonder well, how we would feel about it if House of the Dragon wasn't coming out at the same time, because fair or unfair, we are comparing it to it, yeah. and it's just moving at a better clip. The pacing that you mentioned, it's like, just real quick, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's grindingly slow and then in, inexplicably fast. Like, boop, oh, this is resolved. It's just like, what? How did that happen so quick? At the end of that four, uh, fourth episode, what did you think about the the way they incorporated that sound, sound or the music or the 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 track at the end? You, I, you don't remember the I don't music? Remember. That was like my was favorite really, part of that episode. That was I great. I didn't catch it either. I was listening. What song was it? No, not it wasn't a song, but yeah, like she music? was like belting out something, right? At yeah, the yeah. End, oh. like she was, Are you talking and it was about... going along with the music in the background. Yeah, too, it was in cool. a way. With I the thought dwarves? that was cool. Like the build up. Was like that when they were happening. doing the call for Numenor to go yeah. to the to the east? That okay. whole thing was I've got to go back and listen to that again. But I love yeah. like the visions of Numenor because like if if you know the stuff, like the fall of Numenor is a huge, huge deal. Like when she had that vision and you see that wall oh, yeah, that wave. Water, like I was watching them like, okay, this Listen, one thing you can't worry about or argue about is you see every dollar they spent on oh, the yeah. show, right? I mean, because that looked stunning, the flooding of Numenor. So I, we'll, we'll see how it goes yeah. as we get into episode five. That was a lot of water. It's a lot of water. All right, let's <laughs> get all that water. <laughs> oh, there's Andy's two of two. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, Batman Begins Forever is a brilliant tribute fest to Batman through the years in the comics 
TV and movies. This season was so effing funny and excellent. It was also really smart. Is it over now? Yeah, the season's, the season's done oh, now. Gotta, they just okay. had their season finale uh, with a major character turn for Harley. That happens at the very end of the final episode. Um, it's It was a great season. Again, I don't know that I'd say it's the best season they've had so far, but another absolutely killer, entertaining, wonderful season, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. All right, what's next? Sin Vendetta says, also, Rob, do you think we will get a Lord of the Ring, the Rings of Power 4K Blu-ray set? Because I would buy that day one. To be honest, I don't know. I mean, obviously... The team that I work with did the special features for both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I don't, I, I've talked, the last time I talked to my boss, he was not involved in it. The right. guy that was on, the guy that ran the special features for Lord of the Rings because he worked with Peter Jackson. Here's how we can find out the answer this. Taylor, can you look this up for me? If you jump on Amazon, mm-hmm. is there anywhere a collection, a, a physical media collection for the boys? Because this is another... Amazon original. Yeah, I think it's um, only like it might be in the UK. I don't think that there's. So I, I'd be curious to know because if they, you know what, there's the boys seasons one and two collection, um, Blu-ray, Blu-ray. So they might. So so maybe they would be smart to. Do I mean, that. they've got the. Distribution. I, I think it would be very dumb for them to put it out on physical media, like because the whole reason you made Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power is to make people sign up for Amazon right. Prime. But like, I mean, you, I'm talking about years later. You don't think that they uh, want well, to sell? They later, might. Yeah, that, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, if they're putting the boys out. Now, I mean, that is I, that an import though, or is that domestic? Mm. Does it say import next to it on the it list? It does not. <clears throat> oh my god, it does not say import. Well, wow, all okay. right, interesting to know. Good, good, good thing to bring up. All right, what's next? Joe Rendazzo says, John, did you hear the knee, the new Nickelback. Nickelback song yet? I have not, I haven't either. Let's play it right now. <laughs> I, I guarantee you it'll have a DGC chord pro- progression because that's what they are. I remember somebody, a buddy of mine took um their two biggest songs and i can't like one was this is how you remind me of what i and i can't remember what the other one was but he took them and he brought them into an audio editor and just put them right on top of each other and played had one come out the left earphone and one come out the right earphone and played it it's like damn they are the same damn song did your ears bleed same same spots <laughs> where the bridges happen same chord progression same times they go melodic and same times they they peak it's the exact same thing but whatever they kept making hits and made that money so good on them all right what's next they're not real <laughs> chris minor says i just went to halloween horror nights here in orlando once again, a blast to go to. Have you guys been to it in Hollywood? And if so, what are your favorite houses? Yes, we have. Ann and I have been going every year to the Halloween Horror Nights. I mean, COVID notwithstanding, we've been going every year to Hollywood Horror Nights, I think, for the last five years. Which one is that? Is that Universal? The one I, yeah, it's at yeah. Universal mm-hmm. Studios Hollywood. It's great. We took Ray to it one year. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you what my favorite, not my favorite house was, the Purge House. Ooh, Ray that was like, mannequin nope, room. Nope. Come on, that mannequin room. You walk in, Rob, you walk into a room bunch of mannequins and you're supposed to walk through it like nothing's gonna happen nothing will you're nothing just will, like dude. There. they're you're mannequins just like trying to pick who's gonna pop out and it's the last one you think it is of course yeah i've Ray, seen Ray, twilight yeah, Zone. Was like nope 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 Ray's yeah, like yeah, moving yeah. like motoring through the maze in there nope, i pooped nope. my pants a little bit the pain. funniest part was that the last one they had a killer <laughs> clowns from outer space maze and oh, like God. one of the clowns came up and goes 
Oh, Mr. Campy, I really, really like your show. And while he's <laughs> pretending to hack you. Yeah, while well, he's like, <laughs> Mr. Campy, I love your show. I apologize for that. John, they're bringing that maze back this year. The killer. Oh, are yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, very cool. I, I would a, actually skip one. that one. I think I would skip that one. I would let you guys go through. But it's Plans? fun. Like no the, way, the whole thing, bro. like everything from like the going up to the uh, uh, what? What's the name of the uh, psycho? What's the so, name of the psycho family again? The Bates family. The Bates family. Bates Going up to the Bates Motel and all that kind of stuff. Like they, It's normally weird on a normal tour day, but seriously, if you guys have a chance, either in Orlando or in Hollywood, go to Halloween Horror Nights. It's a lot of fun. It it's is. It's really a lot of fun. All right, what's next? Uh, Jai CSC says, have you ever needed to say bad Canadian kid? Yes. Yes. Th- there are, contrary to popular belief, there are a couple. But... One thing that it reminds me of is uh, during the Olympics, the last Winter Olympics, there might have been two Winter Olympics. Yeah, it was two Winter Olympics ago. So Team Canada and Team USA uh, made it to the gold medal game. And one of the American uh, hockey players uh, tweeted out to Team Canada, loser has to take Justin Bieber. To which the Can- I think it was the Canadian coach replied you broke them you keep them <laughs> yeah oh yeah you broke them you but you broke it you buy it um regard, regarding that so i no. um justin bieber's a good canadian kid, wow actually. He's, brought he's, bieber he's, into that he had nothing to they do brought with they brought that. bieber into it um i actually ended up Ann and i got a got a box for uh the la kings playing the toronto maple leafs last year and then we looked to our left and in the box right beside us was justin bieber rocking his maple leafs jersey and i'm like all right, you're okay in my books now, kid. <laughs> now you're okay in my books. He's there rocking the Maple Leaf. I'm like, you're all right. You're all right. Um, but yeah, there, there have been some not so good ones. There have definitely been some not so good ones. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher says, does Renera and Lenore's wedding have a color associated with it? Maybe the green wedding, maybe the blue wedding because of Joffrey wearing blue. It would be the black, wouldn't it be? The green and the black? I Yeah, I, I don't know if I would. I mean, the... I mean, look, what happened at, like, that, that was not a good wedding. Yeah. yeah. But well, it doesn't I compare mean, to, to the wedding. To be fair, it was a party before the wedding. Yes. Yeah. But it does not compare to the chaos and the butchery that happened at the red wedding. So no, because I wouldn't even give it a designation. What happened at their, at their, the party was not planned. It was not premeditated. Yeah. It was yeah. an explosion of passion that led to murder. Yeah. Be careful about spoilers, though. Yeah. Oh. Oh, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll right. get to that later. All right. What's next? <laughs> right. We already did that yesterday. Casey Mack. Says, she, uh, you know, didn't know how to feel when I first heard that Hulu was making a Hellraiser movie, but that trailer won me over. Actually looking forward to watching it now. Me too. I, I'm in the same way. Right there with you, Casey like, Mack. Like, we talked about Hellraiser maybe a week or two ago, and like neither of us were like, well, we'll, like, we'll see. We'll see. But the trailer, and look, just because it's a decent trailer doesn't mean it's going to be any good. Like, it might be awful. But I mean, I was really impressed with how how that trailer looked. I and thought it, it looked really good. Look, it looks like they're leaning into the mythos. It looks like they're leaning into the first and second Hellraisers, which they should, even though I have a soft spot for Hellraiser 3. Um, the other movies are, it's a franchise that has not been well served. All right. But this looks like maybe it could be a new start for it. It uh, does. Here's hoping, here's hoping it's as good as the trailer. All right. What's next? Quality not included. Favorite Rambo film. First Blood. Oh, First Blood. By my, like, it's not even close. I mean, listen, the other Rambo films are great for what they are, but Rambo did not start on the big screen as this 
Yeah. Action hero. That's not what it was. It started as a real great drama about a dude coming back from war and, and, and suffering the after effects in a world that he doesn't recognize anymore and that doesn't accept him. It it was more of a Oscar kind of movie, really. With with some great action too, but first blood easily by miles. Plus you got a great Goldsmith score. Uh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, totally agree. Right. Rock, so good. I'm coming for you. And our friend <laughs> our friend Cliff Stevenson is working on the ultimate Rambo film box set. They've gone back, they found things sound sound, they found the seventy millimeter soundtrack. It's gonna be definitive. I cannot wait. Thank you, Cliff, for your perseverance i think cliff's like the only guy that stolen works with when it comes to that sort of stuff like I, he's certainly done a lot of work with cliff a lot of work that. yeah of course cliff has been on our show he's, he has he's, been he's, yes a, he a has times yes, all right yes what's next uh mr graham 91 says it's possible but oh and a 1999 super thank chat. you mr graham appreciate that man uh it's possible but is it probable to be successful in the film industry if someone in their 30s or 40s wants to pursue a career in the industry does the likelihood of success diminish with time if one starts that late dude it diminishes all the time <laughs> you can find success late in life early in life this business that look this is the worst most horrible business to get into in the world i but mean I love and, it. and when you say and into you the industry, success yeah when you say into the industry well what do you mean do you mean uh, to be an actor right yeah well then yeah i, I think your, your your chances of breaking in probably diminish as you get older um, unless I, you're really good. <laughs> yeah, unless you all of a sudden, like, or you just find the right role for you or, or whatever. But again, and I'm not saying that's fair or not fair. I'm just saying that. But as a writer, nobody, when somebody's reading, listen, I, I was in, I was offered a job once by a studio. And I was at the studio's thing, their, their thing, and they were in their, their VP who's major in charge of basically being the first line of getting through the scripts. Actually, they were the second line. They had a first line that worked for them, then a second line. And I walked into this office, and it was literally floor-to-ceiling scripts. As, as the person doing script coverage or whatever sits down and reading the scripts, they don't, they don't know, nor do they care how old the person was that wrote it. No. When they look at designs for sets, they don't know or care how old the person was that wrote it. So... Listen, it's harder to break into a field as you get older, regardless of whether it's the entertainment field or not. The sooner you start, the better. But like Rob said, it is never too late. I didn't go back to school until I was in my 30s. It is never too late um, to get going in, in what you want to do. So, And I know friends of mine who are super successful in their fields that didn't get into it till they were in their late 40s. So, Dude, yeah. you know, Dear Abby, you used to be an advice columnist. She's not around. My favorite Dear Abby column was a woman wrote in and said, Abby, I want to be a doctor, but I'm 42 years old. And if I go through school and if I go through my residency and do everything I have to do to become a doctor, I'm going to be 50 before I'm a doctor. And Dear Abby's answer was, you're going to be 50 anyway. You're, I love that. You're going to be 50 anyway. That's great. I mean, it really Might as well be a doctor. That's my favorite advice I've ever read from uh, advice columnists in a newspaper. But I, I think the question is, what is it you want to do? Like there's so many things in the film is if what you want to do is become a filmmaker, buy four iPhone 14s and go out and make your movie because you can self-distribute it on YouTube. There's no reason if you want to be successful in Hollywood or do you want to make films? And That's again, when you say there's a hundred different fields you can be in in the industry. So, yeah, it depends on what that is. All right. Great question, man. All right. What's next? The lovely Connie Sang says, hey, Connie. Rob. That new Hellraiser trailer looks amazing. Hell Priest has the right vibe so far. Very excited. Well, that's what we've been talking about. She right? got me like, those tickets. I went with her, 
And we saw those movies. She'd never seen them on the big screen. The original Hellraiser yeah. ones. I'm telling you, though, that new trailer. It looks great. Man, it's, 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 I love it when there's a movie that I've been paying no attention to and didn't really care about, and a trailer comes out and I go, all right, okay, I see you. Like, I love it when that happens. Oh, yeah. And here's hoping the movie doesn't disappoint. I, me too. It looks <laughs> right. We'll have to watch it together, Connie. All right, thanks, Connie. What's Stubble next? says, House of the Dragon, it will get worse before it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets really bad. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, not good things are happening. I was surprised to see that King Viserys is still around after the 10-year jump. I mean, not looking good, but at least he's still there 10 mm -hmm. years from now. Super happy about that. Can we dip them back if they make us laugh? Like, can we just like... <laughs> you, like get, you get double your... You get du it? That's the challenge. You get double your tip back if you actually make us laugh out loud. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Dante Sereccia says, So, I was totally ugly crying after watching the season two primal finale that dropped today. It is a masterclass of storytelling without dialogue. Biggest snub at the Emmys for no nomination watch this show bring on the filthy you know what i've not watched season two but I, Anne got me watching season one and it's it's a no dialogue show i've only seen season one i really liked it i heard that season two somehow wasn't as good as they hoped and then it makes this turn in the ending well now we know that the finale is phenomenal see i got I, my first episode i watched i don't believe was the first one and it was the one with the mammoths and then i i had to double back and so like it's, it's really good. Yep. I, again, I haven't seen season two, but the first one was really good. All right, what's next? Jay says, what are your thoughts on Starship Troopers, and do you think it would do well with a reboot or a remake? Dude. Different era. I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not really sure. I love the first Starship I Troopers. I love it. Um, They've made sequels, animated movies. Yeah, none of, none of which was ever really good, no, other than the first bit. one. Michael Ironside, Rico, you know what to do. Our I mean, friend, I, I like that first one a lot. Ashley Miller, uh, who was in your movie My trailers love story yeah. he they were involved with doing a remake for a while because you could again starship troopers is a is a franchise like something like the fly or the thing you go back to the original source material and readapt it because they it's very different the source the movie verhoven's film is very different than the original yeah, but, book. and part of the brilliance of the movie was we hadn't seen on a lot like that i'm not talking about fighting aliens i mean the tone of it the yes. dialogue of it right I feel like there's a lot of those types of shows and movies now, so I don't know if it would stand out as being very unique Yeah, today. that's a good point. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be interested if they did it. All right, what's but next? I love Starship Troopers. Yep. Sam Fisher says, watched Reboot on Hulu. You should check oh it out. Oh, my God. Really? With Megabyte? Well, I know. I don't think that it, it's a... <laughs> You should, oh, I thought you were talking about the original the, the animated, the, the, the CG animated thing. Yeah, the, the original thing, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Canadian yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I liked Reboot a lot. So did I. This is different, though. Oh, okay, Wait, this is different? Go back, right. go back to the... Watch Reboot on Hulu. You should check it out. It's about remaking a 90s sitcom. I saw oh, the trailer okay. for this, like Full House, Fuller House. It stars Keegan-Michael Key, Rachel Bloom, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Rachel Bloom, Judy Greer, Johnny Knoxville, and Paul Reiser. This trailer. Okay, you, I've not I've not even heard of it. It looks hilarious. The trailer is hilarious. I didn't realize it was out. I've only seen the trailer. It looked hilarious. I mean, just like they said, it's like making a Fuller House show where all they they bring all the actors back and they've all had their lives since the original came out. And they're all effed up. Well, like all you have to see is Keegan Michael Key, and I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. But now you got me thinking about the real reboot. I, I, mean, I know, right? It was cool. It I like that show. Great. I like that show a lot. And the mythology of it was great. Really and good. I don't know if any of you guys remember that one, but it was so good. I, I liked it a lot. Oh, all right. What's next? Uh, Fanjecture 
says Black Panther 1 scored 33 million in France. Well, there you go. I mean, like tens and tens of millions of dollars. And that's a big thing to leave on the table. That's it a is. big, but I think they're probably going to do it. Here's I hope they don't. All right, what's next? Uh, Chris Leonardo. Thanks, thanks for that fact, Ben Jector. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, that was good. Chris Leonardo says, love the opening bit. Thank you again for the fun show. And, and Chris, like, sending, like, a $20 super chat just to be supportive. Thank you so much for that, Chris. And, yeah, literally, it was a last-second thing. I brought in the helmet because Anna just got it for me. And, like, Ray uh, came wandering in 25 minutes late, like he usually does. And I said, Ray, <laughs> quick, quick, make a lower third. This is Jungle Vet. And then we were, like, 30 seconds until the start of the show. And Taylor's like, let's get one for Rob that says... Uh, Bob Catan instead of Bo Catan. Or I, 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 I would put it back on. I just tried. I can't read super chats with a helmet on. Oh, really? I can't uh, see through. <laughs> all right, but no, thank you. This is the last second thing. Thank you for indulging our uh, childish, the childishness. Here. I'm glad people liked it. Yeah, me too. As long as we get them laughing. Right, Rob Buck says, hey, John, I just wanted to say as someone who doesn't usually like sour cream, I got my wife to try it with mozzarella sticks. You have two new converts. That's right. It's a revolution. Oh, boy. It's a revolution. It, it's happening. I'll get Ezra Miller on this boat, too. I'll start a cult of it. It's going to be fantastic. Dude, don't, because he'll take his messianic impulses and try and get the entire world to have sour cream on mozzarella. That's what, that's what, this is called good marketing. I mean, Rob. they might get rid of marinara sauce. And that would be a horrible thing. And I'm going to uh, blame you. You know, and I, I can't even have <laughs> marinara sauce you. with matzo sticks anymore. It's, it's, it, if, if, they don't have, if I'm in a restaurant, they have, they have uh, matzo sticks. If they don't have sour cream, which very rarely happens, but if they don't, I don't even get the matzo sticks. I, know, can't, I can't have them now without my sour cream. Producer Matt Jonathan over there said it best. You need that acidic kick of the tomato yeah, mozzarella sauce. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah, you get that other way. Elsewhere. Get it elsewhere. All right, what's next? Andres Moran says, why haven't you mentioned Canelo is in Creed 3? Canelo. Canelo. Because uh, who cares? Uh, I mean, I, for, I didn't know Canelo's in Creed 3. I'm, it's probably a small role. But I don't really know. He'll probably play a role similar to Andre Ward's role in the second, or was it the yeah, first? Yeah, he'll probably. Like. I, yeah, it'll probably be a small one, like maybe like a, a pre-bout before the before Jonathan Major's bout, maybe like a little thing there. But there you, you know go. what? It's always nice to have authenticity in a boxing yeah. movie to yeah, have yeah. like maybe a boxer in there. I mean, but I don't think it's going to be a major role. No, 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 definitely not. All right, what's next? Joe Randazzo says, "What is your ultimate guilty pleasure film or series?" And by the way, Joe sent in like a twenty dollars super chat. Thank you so much for that, man. Uh, my ultimate guilty pleasure, everybody knows what it is. It's Vanilla Ice is Cool as Ice. It's the greatest bad movie ever made. I laugh myself sick every single damn time. If you want to have a good time, get together some buddies, some adult beverages, even though I don't drink, um, and watch Vanilla Ice is Cool as Ice. You're going to have the time of your life. You got one? Oh, dude, it's always the 1978 Luigi Cozy slash Lewis Coates Italian Star Wars ripoff, Star Crash, starring David Hasselhoff, Caroline Monroe, Joe Spinell, and uh, uh, what is the what is the preacher's name that I keep forgetting? Uh, Marjo Gortner, and boy, and John Barry did the score. If you haven't seen Star Crash, you haven't lived. All right, we're running short on time here, so we're gonna have to start moving a little more. Jock and Chapman says my pipe dream movie is Rampage Two, where <laughs> Dwayne Johnson takes the growth serum. Would love some kaiju rock action. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Big rock. They just make him bigger on a green screen. <laughs> that movie. I went to a special advanced screening of it, and I remember the people that had an all right time. That movie is better than it had any business being. It also made a hell of a lot more money than it had any business to make. But it's not one of The Rock's stronger movies. The visual effects weren't bad, though. 
The visual effects were actually pretty good. The giant wolf was actually yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I thought fun. so. Yeah. I just wish they did the same uh, punch move like in the game. Like yeah. the visual effects, but yet they only punch straight up. <laughs> that would forward. be funny. All right, what's next? No verisimilitude there. Al Rencho says, got my ticket for Avatar re-release on Friday. I am perplexed by the lack of Avatar 2 marketing. You think we will get a trailer attached to Avatar re-release? Uh, I'd say well, so. Obviously, yeah. And they did. They made a big deal out of it at CinemaCon, and then the first trailer dropped, and they made a big deal out of it. Now, this re-release in and of itself is a piece of marketing yes. for part two coming. So, yeah, I, there's already been a good amount of marketing, and they're going to really pour it on after the re-release of the original Avatar. Yep. That's when they're going to put the pedal to the metal on that. All right, what's next? Uh, Josh, oh, the inexpensive lawyer. No inexpensive lawyers exist. <laughs> going to see bros tonight, but I know I'm going to be robbed of a tracksuit mafia cameo. You know what? I got invited. That movie looks funny. As I don't agree. No? No, I, see, I, I got invited to an advanced screening funny. of it. And the dude from Parks and Rec, who's the lead of it, uh, it does the voice oh, yeah. of Lion King. Billy Eichner. Billy, Billy Eichner. Eichner. I really, really like him, but I like him a lot, like the same way I like certain actors. I think actors. he wrote the script, too. He did. He did. He was the total creative powerhouse behind this movie. I love him in supporting roles. I, I find him a bit much as a lead. And there's a number of actors I feel that way about. But still, so I thought he was... I thought his voice in um, in Lion King was fantastic. He was perfect. I love him in Parks and Rec. But I, they showed us a big preview for this at CinemaCon. They did. I, I thought it was funny. I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh once, unfortunately. So there's another one out. What's it called? Fire Island? That looks like way more... Way funnier to me. But... I don't know. I like Billy. I, I just don't know if I can take him as the as the lead, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll give yeah, it a see shot. Yeah, it does. All right, what's next? Uh, Joshua Jones says, so ready for the She-Hulk swooning over Daredevil soon? We'll see. I mean, obviously, this episode is going to be the one where he shows up at the, the uh, end credit tease. Do they hook up? Is she I supposed to be swooning over him? Is that, is that the story? Well, there's working? apparently, I have not seen it, but apparently there's a clip that's come out that's kind of infers that maybe oh, there's a little more romance man. thing going on there she wow. got some yeah okay yeah mm. all right what's next <laughs> mr hank dunn says the fact that Pattinson's batman is realistic is exactly why i want to see a superman or a supernatural element how does a character like that react but we've seen that in a thousand other movies like it in a thousand other comic book movies where that's not a part of a shared cinematic universe we've seen the world react to superman We've seen the world react to this character or that character or whatever, because in the, the solo standalone movies, they are unique in their universe. Right. It's, in, it's only in the shared cinematic universe that we don't get that. So I, I see what you're saying, but we've had that a hundred times. So now today, the idea of just truly having a grounded world is absolutely unique in the world of comic book films now. So right. I, I'd like to see it stick that way, but that's just me. All right. I'm next? with you, though. Uh, Joe Joestar says, I feel there's a lack of buildup for the new Avengers team and Kang before the Kang dynasty. Phase one and two had Ultron and Loki flesh out the Avengers characters and conflicts. Yeah, but we're a long way off from the new Avengers movie. Yeah, we are. Right? So we are years away from that Avengers movie. So I, I don't really, look, I know there's been a lot of belly aching and complaining about phase four that they're like, uh, it's not cohesive enough. And listen, I know, I acknowledge, I've done my own fair share of Bill aching about Phase 4, but it's always been about the individual projects. I don't give a shit if all the movies are showing these connective threads of how they're tied together. All I care about is, is the individual project you're putting in front of me, whether that's Shang-Chi or Black Widow or Moon Knight or whatever. Is that individual project you're putting in front of me excellence? 
And more times than not in phase four, it, in my estimation, it has not been excellence. A lot of it's been pretty good, but it's been a rare thing like uh, WandaVision or like Shang-Chi or like Ms. Marvel that has truly been excellence. So my problem with phase four has not been the lack of connective tissue because that wouldn't make it any better. My problem with phase four is that they are not hitting that standard of excellence that we have gone through three other phases for that I've become accustomed to. And if they had stayed at that mediocre level, but showed threads connecting the different projects, it wouldn't have made the movies or, or shows any better to me. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? I have a theory. You want to hear my theory? I'd love to hear your theory. None of phase four takes place, none of them, in the same universe. All the movies that we've watched in phase four are on different in different universes. But they haven't told us this yet. And we're going to find out. And I don't know how I've, it's just. I it's, hate that theory. What's next? But I think you might be right. <laughs> I mean, it's I just, think I, you're right, but I hate And that. I'll tell you why I got to thinking about this. And I, I'm not, I, I hate to bring That's up. That's a great theory. I hate to bring up Star Trek on this show, but the Star <laughs> Trek, the Star Trek literary universe, because of what's happened with the modern Star Trek shows had to end. They've had continuity for 20 years and they did this three book series. And as I was reading the book series through, I'm like, you know what they're going to do? They're going to tell us, I'd been thinking that this entire literary series for 20 years had been taking place in the regular prime Star Trek universe. And by the end, they said, you find out that they had to, cre they had to save all of reality. And you realize, and I was like, God damn it, that the entire 20 years of Star Trek continuity was not taking place in the prime Star Trek universe. The prime Star Trek universe is what's on TV. Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, all that. So all of the literary franchise for the last 20 years was proven to be not our universe, not the prime Star Trek universe. And those people saved the prime Star Trek universe <laughs> in destroying themselves. And the more I watch the Marvels, that's why no one talks about Arishem. Because we haven't been in a movie. Although they did reference... Oh, they can uh, reference because the one that's, that's in the ocean. Sure, but because that, there are things that thing, happen. Like, that like, some of the right. things are the same. But ultimately, they're not all the same universe, and we just don't know it yet. All right. Again, it's a great theory that I totally hate. But I don't like but it you, either. You may very well be right about that. <laughs> I don't know. If it all is. right. Very similar worlds, if that's the case. Yeah, they're yeah. very similar worlds because they would be. All right. What's next? Uh, Safwat Newman says, please go watch The Woman King. It's phenomenal. Yeah, we were, Ann and I were going to go see it last night, but as we were having dinner, Ann had been feeling under the weather all day and I didn't want to go without her. So we're probably going to go see it tonight. So I, yeah, and this weekend was like a total write-off for me. So I couldn't do I'm anything. I'm dying to see it too. But yeah, very, very excited about seeing that one. All right, what's next? Uh, uh, Rafael Castillo says, Cameron, Cameron's rejected, Cameron rejected Fox's avatar notes telling execs, I made Titanic and it paid for your half billion dollar studio lot. Execs wanted him to shorten Avatar and delete the flying sequences. Yeah, Raphael, we we did an entire big se uh, segment, segment on that on yesterday's show. We talked about that at length. Um, again, cool on him, but only not even counting on one hand, maybe counting on half of your hand. Are there directors existing in the world right now that have that kind of clout? Yep. It, it, your name's either Spielberg or Cameron, I don't know if there's any other. Like, that might be it. But yeah, that was a pretty baller move on his part. All right, what's next? Johnny Weiner says, I know you guys collect toys. Did you guys see the new Hasbro HasLab Robbie Ray's Ghost Rider <laughs> with the muscle car with the LED lights and flame pieces? It's for a small, smaller figures, though, but it does look dope. I did see that. I just don't collect that size. I did not see that, but you know what I did see? 
their Mephisto figure that's that's a part of that Ghost Rider series. It's not real. It's not really Mephisto. It's, well, it's of course not. Of course not. But I saw that, but I didn't see the Robbie. Yeah, Rios they're one. really cool. Uh, they're, I mean, they're really cool. Listen, I get like these helmets are Hasbro. Hasbro, like, and of course, my wife yeah. used to work for Hasbro. They used to, you know, contribute to half of my household <laughs> household income. A lot of love for Hasbro. They make some really good stuff. Yep. All right. What's next? Jay said this is not a one of two. Okay. Jay great. Master says the new Disney 100 logo is in front of the Little Mermaid and Disenchanted trailers. I love that logo, by the way. And Disney confirmed the logo. Disney 100 Years of Wonder will be in front of all their Disney and Pixar movies. Well, by the way, Jay Master tipped in like $20. Thank you so much for that, Jay. Um, as well, they should. Yeah. As well, they should. I may not be completely in love with Disney right now, but as well, they should. A hundred years, years. Of, of giving magic to the audience. And they still do today. I mean, you, you, have, you hit the century mark. You parade that out. You celebrate that as very well they should. And I think... It's, it's also good for the audience to see that because it feels like, listen, Disney has been a part of all of us for all our lives. Yeah. So, yeah, you parade that. You don't turn a century very often. So good on them. And Warner Brothers is 100 years next year. Yep. All right. What's next? Uh, Blaine Melvin says, evening, gents. Wondering your thoughts on the goat David Lynch. I love his movies, especially Eraserhead. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, good Canadian kid, uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's not exactly mainstream. He's certainly not. And he will he will go to places. He will experiment. He will do a lot of things. I mean, in, in that way, he's been an incredibly influential filmmaker, oh. too, on a lot of levels. You know, it's funny because he made like The Elephant Man and movies like The Straight Story. I mean, The Elephant Man is a wonderful, heartfelt movie. Hard, hard to watch, but they're very mainstream. But then on the other hand, he'll go make A Lost Highway or he'll make Blue Velvet or he'll make like Eraserhead and, and, and confound everybody. So I think he's a very versatile, very interesting, certainly one of our most original filmmakers that we have. All right, what's next? Um, Al Renshaw says, it may be just me, but when Cameron rejected the studio, I thought of the Wolverine scene where he says, F off to Eric and Charles <laughs> in the bar. I, I, could see, I could see Cameron sitting in the bar and these two exact foxes say, hey, we'd like to talk to you. Go F yourself. And then they turn around and walk so out. Good. That's actually the perfect way to kind of envision that. I love that. So great. All right, what's next? Andy says, why does it have to be called Oscar love? Why can't it be Oscar lust? Let the Academy get horny for some movies like the Batman. <laughs> Bring on the filthy. Oh, Andy, you've been watching too much yeah. of the, uh, what is that show? Riverdale. Riverdale. Yeah, <laughs> No. I'm just, I'm just gonna go no on that. You know how we said we sh we could give back some of the super chat money. Can we take more? Can we take? They, yeah, you owe us now. You owe us more. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to owe us more. Yeah, I can appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, James Argenta says, "Get ready for more house strong in uh, wait. Get ready for more house strong in hold break bones and oh, okay. Let's do Get ready more for more house strong." In House of the Dragon. <laughs> Break Bones and Clubfoot have big roles coming up after the time skip. Yes, they do. Yeah. Um, Punctuation. And, and by, the, by the way, I, <laughs> I, some, I saw somebody say something in the live chat, say David Lynch is a Canadian. I'm like, of course he's not. I'm freaking Cronenberg. Oh. I was totally thinking of David Cronenberg, not David Lynch. So sorry. I completely take that back. Um, anyway, yeah. I Listen, I have never read the books. Yeah. I have no intention of ever reading the books. Uh, but uh, I hear a lot of people saying this now, but remember they have said like George R. R. Martin said that certain pivotal uh, liberties are going to be taken 
in the show. So just because you think something happens does not necessarily mean it will. Well, also the accounts that even in the book, in, in it says that the, the Maesters, it, it's they're unreliable narrators. So a lot of the stuff might be printing the legend, not exactly what happened. Whereas this show is going to be the definitive account. Right. All right. What's next? I, mean, I could listen to David Lynch uh, talk about the weather and surf report, which he does. He does. he does. I love his weather reports. Um, and he says some movies in the theater were offering free screenings of Queen Elizabeth's mm. funeral. They're really trying to make heartbreak feel good. Uh, again, no, just you owe more now. Now you owe more. <laughs> I don't even know if that really made sense. Well, I, need to give a I would right. like to have gone to Hyde Park where they had a, a thousands. Of I would yeah. love to have been there and, and watched. And there watched. were a lot of gatherings in Canada as well for, for the procession, stuff like that. All right. What's next? Um, your Rainbow Nightmare says, when do we get the Marvels trailer? I'm so ready. I don't even know when the release date is. Like, here's the thing. I did a, I didn't ask. Every once in a while, I'll do a, when I have like a half hour of time, I'll jump into our community chat and I'll say, guys, I got a half hour for an Ask Me Anything. And hundreds of questions come in. And a lot of people ask, what's your most anticipated movie of 2024 or whatever? I'm like, guys, listen, I am. I am not Scott Mance. I do not have release dates in my head. I couldn't even tell you what comes out next month. Uh, when does, Taylor, when does the Marvels come out? July 28th of 2023. Oh, then we are still a ways off from them dropping uh, trailers for that. Is that the next Marvel movie after Wakanda Forever? Is there anything we got, before? We got that Christmas thing, and then we got, yeah, oh, we got Werewolf by Nights coming out next it's, month. Or is it next week? When does Werewolf by Night come out? Oh, I thought, I thought it was, thought it was October. You, you're yeah, probably October. right. You're probably I mean, October, right. October is 8th. October, October 8th, 8th is only a couple weeks. See, away. I don't, know, I don't know my release dates at all. I, I have no idea about my release date. So actually, somebody last night even asked me, John, what was your favorite action film last year? I'm like, I, I don't even, I don't know which movies came when out. When does Guardians year. Three come out? John, when does Guardians Three come out? I yeah. do believe that is 2023. <laughs> does it come out before Marvels? I, we'll figure it I don't all. know. I don't no, know. I'm just confused. Oh, I don't fine. even know where I am. I'm pretty sure it's not going to fly over. Oh, Ant Man. Ant-Man. Ant when, Quantumania. When does Quantumania come out? Yeah, that's... <laughs> we don't know. Taylor, just open up a Marvel <laughs> release date. Yeah. Instead of trying to look them up individually, just look up a Marvel release dates uh, page. It'll probably tell you all that. Anyway, while he's looking that up, what's next? Uh, Matt Sanders says, did it throw you guys off that they changed the actress for Lady Lena last episode? They did? Yeah, because remember she was 12 when, when they were considering oh, yeah. marrying her to King yeah, of yeah, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but remember, years had passed. Yeah, that was the, uh, that's what I'm like. And you know the, what? That totally looks like that little girl grown up. Oh, uh, she it, was great. It, like it was an, an uncanny. Yeah, yeah. And dang. But oh, that, sorry. And dang. But the time had gone. The time, years had gone by. Yeah, there have been years that had passed and all that kind of stuff. What do we got there, Taylor? Okay, so this is from Vulture as of July 25th. I don't know if it's changed since then, but upcoming we have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, November 11th. Then it's Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, February 17th, Secret Invasion, Spring of 2023, What If, Season 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, May 5th, 2023, The Marvels is oh, July so 28th. Mm, so next summer. Okay, so we got a couple of big things yeah, coming there's up. There's a before. lot of we'll big probably release before. a trailer like early uh, 2023 for The Marvels. Yeah, I'm thinking February. Yeah. 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 Before they delay it. Yeah. Before they delay it. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't DC. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, so, uh, Miko uh, Suen uh, says sends in a su support a super chat. All right, thank you, Miko and guys. That'll do it 
for today's installment of the John Canby Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who send in the Super Chats, number one, except for you, Adam. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved here at the John Canby Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget to come on back a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Me and Rob will be doing an open mic. We hope to see you guys there. And of course, tomorrow, not only do we have the John Campia show, but we also have our very first and or after show. We hope you guys will come back and join us for that as well. So for everybody in the room, starting over here with, of course, Bob Catan <laughs> over here, back there joining you guys in the live chat. Ray Orr has been here running the show today, producer Jonathan Voico. And of course, my name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.